This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to the Downward Spiral. Oh, Lord. We're taking you way down. We start off strong and then it's downhill all the way. What do you mean strong then? Well, we start talking about nice things and then we end up talking about awful things. Okay. And then all of a sudden you get depressed. Or I get depressed. There you have it. All right. Welcome to Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and before we get into it, Nico Tavernisi and the return of the Downward Spiral, I got to talk to you about a couple sponsors. Let's tell you something about your website. Your website's no good. I'm telling you, you have all the tools that you need. You have the saws, you have the power hammers, you have the anvils. You know what you're going to do. You have the technique, but you don't have a good website and you can't make money. Go to akinteractive.com and... My friend, Andreas Kalani, who has 20 years of experience in service design marketing for knife makers and craftsmen, will make you a website where you'll be able to sell your products. He's a small business person. He's a maker making websites for other makers. It's wonderful. So if you go to akinteractive.com and then you tell him Full Blast 10 you're going to get 10% off your order. Now, the best part is, is he's got logo and identity design, uh, business card design, marketing collateral damage, collateral design, my bad, web design, e-commerce, storefront, and he uses common platforms such as Shopify, Wix, and WordPress. So here's what you do. You get a hold of him. You give him 50%. He's going to fix your, he's going to make your website beautiful, and then you're going to give him the rest of it at the end, and there's no monthly maintenance fees. And if you, he'll show you how to use it, and if you need help, he's going to be there for you. Uh, guys like Steve Schwarzer, Mike Tyree, Don Nguyen, Will Brigham, Luke Delmeyer, they're all using AK Interactive. So you should too. Um, it's, they're great. The Golden Kalani's terrific. Thank you, Andreas Kalani. Everybody go to akinteractive.com because your website sucks, and he's not going to make it suck less. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to get some axe wax because I know what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, you're filling up your coffers with axes and knives and hammers and all sorts of stuff that needs a little bit of treatment. If you use axe wax, it's a food safe wax for all your stuff. And what's going to happen is you're going to be able to have the confidence that there's no petroleum byproducts or any of that nonsense. And if you go to axewax.us, put in promo code Full Blast 10, you get 10% off. And I'm under the impression that there might be some in Europe if you go over to see a UK knife maker. Don't put in Full Blast 10 because it ain't going to work on him. But if you're in the UK, go check out Toby's place, USA, UK knife maker, and help him out. So Axe Wax is a great sponsor. And um, there we are, Full Blast 10 for 10% off. I am, this is my favorite thing. All the podcasts I do, my first podcasting partner is Nico Tavernisi. We just did two episodes of The Downward Spiral. That was our first podcast. He's back. And now we're going to fool around, which is what I want to do. Nico, what's going on? Hi. How are you? We're in your shop. This was, yes. Um, 
Yeah, this is uh, this is kind of the way. Have you done uh, you've done in person? This is the first in person uh, post po- COVID. No, pre COVID. I mean, the full oh, blast podcast in the past year. I have done everything remote. Uh, Nico and I are both vaxxed and vexed. Double and vaxxed. Double vaxxed. So this is one of those things where I, I said to Nico, you know, hopefully every few months we get you back on and we can do the Downward Spiral, which was our original podcast. And he says, well, I don't want to do it remote anymore. The first one he did, you were in like the woods listening to uh, through uh, your, your kid's uh, PlayStation headset. That wasn't my kid's. That was mine. Oh, that was yours. Yeah. And Jesus. then uh, you said to me, you said to me, let's just do it the way we used to do it. And what yeah. we used to do was we go over to your... Or mine. We go, yeah, we go over or to yours, yeah, and, and, and we'd sit in the backyard right. and we'd hear the ambient noise. So, what uh, what Nico asked me is, let's do it again. We'll do it from your shop with the doors open, so you can hear the birds chirping and the crickets, just like the old school. And it's it's around three p.m. on an afternoon. Yeah, it's a lovely warm day. Yeah, and the birds are chirping. Yeah, and there's fucking pollen everywhere. <laughs> And it's great, and and it's I'm having I'm having a little uncomfortableness because I'm used to just sitting in my car, so people can't see the weirdness that I normally do. So we're we're so far away from anybody. No, but you. Oh me, you. Yeah, but this is the whole point. Yeah, this is the whole point. I think you miss a lot of shit when you do stuff remote. I think so. Well, what I like about doing a remote is people can't see me roll my eyes, or we do weird things. Point. I mean, Come on. no, but I like that. I like the. I like <laughs> yeah. the. So, that the whole downward spiral started. I I feel like it was like ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah, we just wanted to. We wanted to just do do a pod. I wanted to do a podcast about cannibalism and human depravity, and Jeff was so into podcasts, and he knew more about that shit than I would ever have. But then, because he was a listener of podcasts, yeah. so this was be- way before. Oh yeah, casting was kind of. Well, it was one you could kind of post anything, and you'd be like, "Oh my god, there's my shit on iTunes." Yeah, well, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a, it was, ba- it was bad. So let's just we'll get right into it. How have you been? Because the last time you were here, the last time you were here, um, you were just. I think you were on your way to Boston, and you were going to do mm-hmm. a big show. You were going to do a we big movie. We didn't cast when I was there, right? You didn't cast. We didn't cast when you were in, you were on a movie set. So, just another. If you if you haven't listened to the former episodes, there's two other episodes with Nico. It's the downward spiral, and I'm going to get back into it. But he is a set photographer for the stars. He's on any movie that you th- can think of. He's been on it, with the exception of a lot of them. But he's <laughs> he's one of those guys that he's you know you just finished uh, this movie in Boston. And I was fascinated by your experience in terms of how COVID affected filmmaking. Ah, it was, uh, well, you know, I think it was, everyone was really nervous, obviously, because it was before the, that big second spike. It was after the summer spike, before the big second, the winter spike. So we went into it doing so much fucking testing, um, that you were basically living in your car from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. every morning. So what was the procedure when you would get to... Yeah, what, if, you, if you had to get to the... You had a specific time you had to be at the set or... No, I mean, it was... We did sets and we did locations, but we would get... You know, we'd get there around 4 or 5 in the morning, pitch black, freezing cold, get out of your car, you walk over to these orange tents, these poor, you know, COVID people were out in the sub-zero 
with latex gloves on and face shields and PPE and stuff, and they'd um, they'd swab your nose. So we'd have nose swabs every morning at that before we went to work, and then we sat in our car and waited for these tests. And the tests were they weren't rapid tests; they were what's called well, they were rapid, but they're called rapid PCRs, which are basically like next level testing. Uh, they're like whatever 60 70 percent accurate or something like that yeah. i think rapids were like 50 percent. i was kind of stupid it was like yeah you're you're screwed or not we don't know you might be right so rapids were a weird i don't know the percentage but anyway so the pcrs that the uh that were paid for were like high level and so you sat in your car it was called a gatekeeper test and you'd sit there waiting for a text or a phone call for two hours the, at the maximum. Usually it was maybe maybe 45 minutes to an hour and a half. That was normal. So did the whole, did the whole crew come in at the same time, or were they staggered? Kind of, so they we, were kind of staggered, so we didn't all pile up. Because I can the imagine testing. the waiting in line would have been Yeah, absurd. but we, the people who got the testing every day was actually a small group. And we were the ones around the actors. So it was the camera team, the director, producers, and the hair, makeup people, sound people. Um, and a couple of the props people. So maybe in all, 25, 30 people were tested every single day, seven days a week. Hmm. And But we were also sequestered, so we couldn't leave our hotel for four months. That's amazing. So what would you do? For a shit ton of money. Oh, I played video games. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, the, from what you, t- what you were telling me before, was the, the sh- I can't believe how much money it cost to do the COVID testing. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say how much it was because it was, it was a stupid amount, but it was, it was a good chunk of change, but it was Netflix and they, you know, after the pandemic, they had some cash. Everyone was home buying Netflix. But do you think that because, I mean, I, I, we were the, we were the, we were the guinea pigs. So we were basically the first big movie to be shot after COVID on this level within the public. So most of the other ones that were shot were small studio stuff or a little indie stuff. So maybe some TV shows in Atlanta. I know Tyler Perry was doing some stuff in his studio, uh, but that was completely locked in. And we were the first ones to kind of go out, I, I think. And, ugh. It was a lot of testing, but it was it was it was good. It was it was terrifying. At one point, our our camera loader got tested positive on a Monday morning, and and I was sharing the truck with him to edit my photos in the morning. So I you know I sit on the truck and I edit my photos in the right. morning, and and uh, so we share. You know, we're within ten feet of each other, easy. And uh, luckily, he wasn't a talker. <laughs> but we wear masks all the time. I swear to fucking Christ, that mask saved my ass. Um, he didn't really get sick from it. He was like, and we keep thinking it was one of the background people who he got it from. Like, he remembers a moment right. where he was eating in this area and a background person was near there. We didn't know if they were fully sequestered background or not. Mm. It's one of those things. Anyways, it's just, but it was a big movie, but it was Meryl Streep was in it. So how the, you know. Yeah. Leo DiCaprio. It's one of those movies that, fuck, if Meryl, if you gave Meryl Streep COVID, can Jesus. you imagine the fucking 
Oh my God! So basically, we were. Well, I mean, that was what happened to Tom Tom Hanks, wasn't it? I mean, he, Tom oh, Hanks. Hanks. Tom Hanks yeah, got it. I don't he, know if he got it on set. I think he got it traveling to Australia. Well, whatever. But he mean, oh, yeah, I guess so. I I would. I just what I was fascinated with, and obviously we're not going to talk in real numbers, but the the amount of money and energy spent on COVID testing for movies right. is one of the reasons why. You're not you're not scheduled to do a lot of movies right now. Yeah, no, everybody, and that's the thing is that the everyone's waiting for the the new COVID white pages to come out. Meaning, like, what if ninety percent of your crew is vaccinated? Do you have to do testing every single day? Do you have to maintain a certain social distancing? And so, a lot of productions are kind of on hold. There's a lot of stuff being pushed. Um, I know I've I've actually lost a couple of gigs recently because they didn't want to f- basically fly in somebody because I realized that the testing they're still doing all this fucking testing so their budgets are really strapped. Because um, so I mean, I we're talking, I mean, COVID testing obviously you don't have to tell me, but COVID testing for a giant movie is in the millions, tens of millions of dollars, yeah, easily. So like, if a movie company wants to make a movie, but they realize. Why not just wait a little bit longer and it's going to be like, you know, tens of millions of dollars cheaper to make it. Yeah. They're just going to hold off. Of course. And, but that means a lot of people aren't working. But there's still well, this thirst. Yeah. There's still, there, no, there's still people working. It's just. Not as many. It's, it, it's not as many. It's not, you know, there was a big writer's strike 15, 20 years ago, something like that. And, and, uh, and no one was working across the board. Movie systems shut down. And I think it was, I don't remember exactly how long, but it was like six months. But literally, like, the day they came back, the every, there was 20 jobs available instantly. Right. They were just waiting for the, the green light, the writers to green light. And that was it. And so, but this is different because every area in the country is different. You know, if you go to shoot something internationally, that's going to be different. Um, I was scheduled to go to Berlin, and that didn't go through because it, Germany's in a weird state right now. Hmm. So it's all these things. I, You know, luckily, working on that film in Boston, it was like fucking Alaskan crabbing. Like, we yeah. got paid hazard pay. And so I was able to kind of nest egg some stuff. And, and we're just going to ride it out until, uh, you know, I've been offered jobs, but they're not really, you know, six months in Oklahoma. Mm, no. <laughs> well, I... I Knowing you and knowing how your life has changed within the last ten years, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, your your history of, in Hollywood is like, I mean, you've had a, a, an extraordinary career. I say that you know, you're like almost like Forrest Gump, like all oh, you've been in everything almost. I mean, between the Spider-Man movies and the John Wick movies, and you just uh, the last movie you came through, which is, I mean, this is amazing too. And we, I think we talked about it the last episode. Um, was you were on the the new Snake Eyes movie mm-hmm. in Japan, and you kind of barely made it in the United States before yeah. before the the COVID before kind COVID of like shut really shut shut down the airport. Well, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't shut us down. We actually wrapped. You wrapped the last early. week of February. We I came back March first, twenty twenty, but the Diamond Princess was had landed in that's right Fukushima. So that's right. Fukushima. Is it Fukushima? Not no, Fukushima. Fuku- that's the, uh, that was Yokohama. Fukushima. <laughs> Fukushima was that was a the, different one. I got a Fukushima story to tell you. You know, Darren was supposed to do. Wolverine. I remember you, this. You not this is a, here's going back, back, back in the back. Mm. So there was Fukushima was the nuclear um, meltdown. The nuclear meltdown, right? Right. So at the time, 
I applied for one show in Japan. I was I applied for a sculpture in Japan, and I actually had some big wig art people write to the, for this thing for me to go in to get this show because you know it would have been great for me, and it was like a it was like a call that they would have flown me in and everything like that. And I had some like the only ever time I've ever called in favors for these art big wigs, and it was and it, I didn't get in, but it was like right down the street from Fukushima. Oh, so shit. and at the same time at right before too. Yeah, yeah. So if I'd gone there, my sculpture would have been like it was a tiny little sculpture, but it would have been like it would have been nuked. Oh, it'd have been nuked. Totally yeah, yeah. nuked. And then we were talking about it on the downward spiral at one point and you said that Darren Aronofsky was going to was originally supposed to do the Wolverine origin movie, right? Right. Yeah. But because of Fukushima, he just decided it wasn't a good idea. Well, no, we we were gonna do it. In fact, I was working with Hugh doing the all the behind the scenes stuff and his weight training and stuff. And then and then Fukushima happened, and then we just we got really quiet. You know, we were like, oh, I guess I guess we're not doing that movie. And then you know, it was put on hold for whatever months and months. And then I think Darren was just like, Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. What do you think he would have done differently with Wolverine? He's always wanted to make a really dark, dark, dark ass. He, you know, he was supposed to do Batman, the one that Nolan was going to do, that Nolan did, Batman, whatever. No, Batman Begins. Begins. And him and a friend of mine, Luke Dawson, had wrote the script, and they went out and co-wrote it with, um, fuck is his name, Sin City. Hello. Oh, Frank Miller. Miller. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So they co-wrote. So, I mean, that's a that's a what's his face? So it was the Miller, guy who created was, yeah, basically yeah. the Dark Knight. Right. Really. Right. So they went out there and they had they wrote this script and it was supposedly it was too dark for Warner Brothers. So there's a script out there that is just vi- super violent, super dark. I think Batman drove a hearse or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> just really fucked up. Like Batman was a fucked up dude. It's all yeah. about Dark Knight. So it's just yeah. he was a fucked up. He was just he was really smart, but really uh, complicated. Borderline. He oh was, yeah. He was like a, a an extreme sociopath. Well, the character had to make. I mean, just to talk about comic books. The, the character, and I actually talked about Frank Miller uh, when I had Josh Prince on, who does work. His work is very similar. There's this, it's like almost a caricature quality to his work. I mean, Frank Miller changed the way people see Batman. It w- changed yeah. it from the the uh, Alan West Batman to yeah, yeah. this very, Adam. very, gr- what did I say? You said Alan. Adam, Adam West. It, he created that whole concept that really formulated the... The um, you know the original Batman. Yeah, with, Batman was with, a vigilante with uh, Michael Keaton. Right, but go further back, and I think the original one was wasn't he like a vigilante? Wasn't Batman originally like the first couple like Kane ones were? The, the, yeah, the, I mean, I I think that they, he was supposed to be closer to being Dracula. Ah, yeah, okay. But you know the whole thing about comic books in general is so fucking bizarre because if you look at. And it, how we've changed how the persona of how all these superheroes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. super, Superman is the story of the Jewish immigrant. Right. Did you know that? Like, the whole idea was when um, the creators of Superman, they were like kids who, who, who their families had come, from, you know, left Europe. Mm-hmm. And they created the story of 
this 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 outsider who yeah. was you know he he was sent away from his family. I mean, for Christ's sakes, the the parents of Kal El, Jor El. I mean, that isn't fucking. I mean, that's like right out of fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, if that isn't out of the Talmud, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. What, I mean, that's like fucking Jor El is not an Israeli sound. Is not a yeah, Hebrew yeah. sounding name. Yeah. And they created this like it was this very subtle allegory to the you know the the Jews being. Leaving Europe to right. to to find a new home, and he was abandoned from you know he was sent away from his parents. That their world exploded. It was the whole story. Yeah. But we, now it's like you know, now it's like the you know the metal dome and the right, yeah yeah and Aquaman. The, yeah. And <laughs> but I you know I I think that I what what fascinated it was always fascinating about you and and the people that you know especially is how I think people have this idea that like. Hollywood is this everything's written in stone and this is always the way it is but there I there has to be just millions of stories of what could have happened you know the oh, fact sure. of like Darren doing or you know Wolverine might have been one of the great I mean yeah. I mean it wasn't the greatest movie it didn't right, have right. all the critical acclaim that it wanted right. but I mean it, you can imagine that a filmmaker like Darren Aronofsky would have kind of really turned it really into something twisted it. oh yeah totally twisted yeah. it wouldn't have been like you know, these well, that we did. You know, the same thing when we we were doing Joker. That was the same thing. Oh, talking yeah. to Todd Phillips, the director, where Warner Brothers didn't give a shit about what we were doing. Like they never called us. They didn't care. Like at one point, Todd came up to me and he had because I would send him photos every day, and he was like, I would send black. You know, I put mix some black and whites in there just for fun, and and he comes up to me in this hallway we're shooting in, and he's like, so I think I'm gonna, I might do this in black and white. The whole I've, been, I've been looking at your images. I might do it in black and white. <laughs> the Joker in black and white. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do, don't do that, dude. Well, but like, thank you. I don't know. It's one of those things that, and but nobody gave nobody gave a shit. Nobody why? gave a shit about. They gave us minimal amount of money to make that movie, and then they were like, that, that was Todd's deal. Todd's like, you know, give me this amount of money and don't ever fucking call me, and I'm gonna make this this film about Joker. I think that's crazy. I still haven't seen it, by the way. But I have HBO Max, so I might have to watch it. It's good, but it's twisted. Well, you told me the ending when you first got the script. I mean, I oh, told right. you that on the last episode. <laughs> I was like, God damn it, spoil yeah, the whole fucking sorry. thing. So, but what's fascinating is, is especially with the movie like The Joker, I mean, the Batman franchise is so monstrous. Mm. And because of Heath Ledger was so great mm. as The Joker... I'm surprised that Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers owns Warner Brothers owns uh, DC right. or part of it or some has connection. I find it to be very. I'm, I'm surprised that they'd be so cavalier with how this very important character was going to be treated. I think. Well, I think considering lot, Catwoman was such know, a shithead. But, but what happened? I think a lot of the, a lot of the. I'm going to obliterate this and smushiness, but I think a lot of it was. DC stuff. I think it was Justice League or something like that, and it just shit the bed, uh, box office wise. And oh, they yeah. didn't know how. You know, they were going to do this whole like, like World of Monsters thing where like uh, the Mummy and and Dracula and Tom Cruise was part of this whole thing, and they were going to do this whole kind of like spin off. And then they couldn't pull the strings together. There's too many, too many, you know, cooks in the kitchen. And then. Uh, and Marvel was doing really well. Like oh, they did Black Panther and stuff like that. And, and so I think what happened is DC was just like, or Warner Brothers was just like, I don't give a shit. Make us something new. 
Like, do something that no one's done. And that's kind of what Todd Phillips did. Well, here's a question, because I know... It's that, that It's not that new. It's not a new story or anything. It was just the way it was all done. It was almost like a low-budget superhero film, like a fan film, and it, it just had one of the greatest fucking actors ever to fit into that role. But they took everything apart. I mean, they took the origin apart. Well, it they was took based, the character apart. I know, apart. but it's based on Killing Joke. I have to I, I have to watch it because I, but Killing the, Joke the whole, was a the great beginning movie. of the beginning of the like the first like four pages of Killing Joke basically explains his origin. Like, you know, he goes home to his wife, he's they're they're broke and then he goes to a bar to kind of cry himself and, and then, then he falls into the pit. Well, he's hired by these by the mafia to go burn down this chemical plant. Is that what happens in the movie? No, it doesn't yet. happen in the movie. But it's it's the idea that right. this guy is this kind of sad, fractured sad sack. Right. And you don't really know if it's this, if like and this is in his brain or if it's real. But you know what's what's interesting is you know the killing joke was written by Alan Moore, right. which is one of the great comic book oh, yeah, writers, yeah. and wa- yeah, Watchmen and Sandman, right? Sand. I don't think so. no, that's somebody else. It's oh. Neil Gaiman. Oh, it's Gaiman, right? But I mean, Alan Moore's Alan Moore's stories are extraordinary. One thing that he's known for is being very uh, controversial towards DC. Like he hates mm-hmm. DC and Marvel. Yeah, yeah. So he's always been. I mean, he's been so. Uh, he's created these these stories because out of like out of like spite. So yeah, it's yeah. like he's been able. Yeah, I mean, to look do at that. Watchmen. I mean, that's yeah, you a- look at you 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 look at his. This has turned into like comic book talk. But it's fine by <laughs> me. I I just I would imagine I would imagine because you're on the inside. I think a lot of people think that when you see these things, everything is purposeful. And I just know that there's must be just millions of stories of. Things that people have passed on. You hear stories of like actors passing on certain movie roles. You you hear about you know directors passing on different movies and stuff like that. There is just seems like there's it's a lot more chaos than you'd imagine. And when yeah. you throw in coronavirus, well, yeah, all these any movie when you're making it, I it's just it's mind boggling how the shit gets done. It literally just, I mean, I'm day to day in the movie business, but you just. You're, we just talked about the train being on the track or off the rails. You know, it's like right. one of those things. Like, oh, train just fucking ran aground. Like, Have you been on a lot of shows oh, like yeah. that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A lot of them, and most of them run off the tracks. And it's just how early on does the train run off the tracks is your is going to be your litmus test for how fucked up it's going to be. You don't have to give names, but what's the worst experience you've had? You don't have to give names. Uh, uh, no, The Undoing was probably the... What's The Undoing? It's a HBO show. What's that? I don't know. Some Nicole Kidman show. And it was off the rails? It was off the rails. The director had no idea what she was doing. And it was awful. She wouldn't listen to a single person's advice. She wouldn't listen to the DP. She wouldn't listen to anybody. It was horrible. What happened to it? It got made. And it was just, you know. Is it, was it, is it out? Yeah, it's on HBO. Is it, it sucks? Yeah, of course. It's just rich people. <laughs> just, it's just rich white people killing each other. It's just, you know. I mean, which would be great if it was like a, you know fucking train from Busan but it's a it's just this you know murder mystery about rich white people on the Upper East Side like who gives a fuck yeah, seriously <laughs> I mean that is just like who totally gives a shit about yeah. people on the Upper but East Side but my friend Joel was a prop master on it and that's why why I took the job because my friend was on it it's the only reason I fucking did it is that one of the reasons why you take a lot of jobs sure is because the people the crew the yeah the crew's on it of course I'll always take I always would be like you know swooned into a job if, if I know the crew really well. Of course. 
I take tons of shit jobs because I love the crew. What's the shittiest job you've taken, but the crew's really great? Uh, yeah, probably the undo. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, Chicago 7 was kind of the same. The actors fucking hated me. But, really? Yeah, but the, uh, but the crew was really, really great. Um, but it was one of those movies that was... I don't know. It, they ran out of money halfway through the movie because we shot half of it in Chicago. These riots from '68, and then they blew all their money on the fucking riots. And then we got back to this whole courtroom scene, and nobody had money. So we were like, our checks were bouncing and shit like that. Oh we're my like, god, oh, this is awful. I mean, the people who were in charge were kind of gangsters and like maybe gangsters. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's just keep this. In. Remember, this button is still yeah, still yeah, flashing. Yeah. Allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I was I, I was supposed to go do John Wick four in Berlin, and that that fell through because I didn't meet their new budgetary constraints. So I, you know, I there's definitely shit that I want that, and I I didn't even want John Wick. Like I remember, I remember in January when I was flush and working, just being like, I don't want to do that movie. And then they kept calling me and calling me, you got to do this, you got to do this. So I finally said yes. And then the film company wound up restructuring. Hmm. Is that the word? Yes. Yeah. And a lot of my friends were shit canned in hmm. that on that film company, and I was left with like their assistants, and their assistants didn't know the fuck I. You know, oh yeah, like, that's right. Uh, so so everyone gets fired. The people you're making deals with gets fired. Yeah. So it's the assistants now are taking over the position, and now all of a sudden and they you have don't no, have those relationships. And they also don't know, know what the fuck they're doing. But you don't have those relationships anymore. Of course, anymore. of course, you don't have that pull. Because in this business, I mean, people call you because they know you. Right. But if they don't know you, right. you have to well, start from scratch these building even, these relationships. But it's not that. It's not that. It's, I definitely have enough of a reputation with my images where I'm like, I, you know, I shot the images for this movie, which was this big, giant blockbuster. So I have the skills to do it. And if people like a movie like Joker or Irishman or something like that, they're like, oh, okay, we'll hire this guy. He's a New Yorker. Blah, blah, blah. But if somebody new comes in and doesn't realize how I am beneficial to a film, a movie. Right. Then, you know, it's weird because a lot of the, a lot of directors, like first time directors don't understand our job as photographers on a movie set. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is just <sighs> trying to sell the film before people see it. So you're tr you're right. you're basically creating anticipation. Exactly. So but certain people, certain directors like Wes Anderson's like that, they don't give a flying fuck about your images. Like they right. really don't care. You had a lot of problems with him. I didn't have problems with him. He just didn't, he didn't like set photographers. Yeah. Right. And uh which is whatever, that's his prerogative. Right. But there's people out there like Fincher, Aronofsky, Scorsese, Todd Phillips um, and Adam McKay, who love fucking images, who kind of live for images, right. you know? And Spielberg, too. Sp Spielberg's one of those guys who is always, like, asking me when the image... Like, I need to see the image. I need to right. see the images. And if someone like that is totally into images, and I have a feeling someone like Kubrick was the same way because he was a photographer, I think you can use my skills at its utmost. <clears throat> so something like G.I. Joe was great. 
because I came in halfway because they did most of it in Vancouver on stages and the rest of it they did in Japan and I, the guy couldn't go or something like that and I wound up going into Japan and um, and it's one of those things that I don't know it's a it's kind of like John Wick with you know swords swords yeah <laughs> so uh, but you know I don't know I, I, I like to think that I have a style and that I can I have a different a, a different but similar eye to the cinematographer and I can help the production in a way the the movie company sell their film I think that's that's kind of my dream of what I do and, and maybe in the end it's total bullshit and I I'm kidding myself but when I lose jobs like that I'm like oh fuck I thought I thought I was kind of good but it's not it's less to do with that it's I swear to god COVID precautions, um, green lighting, all this mumbo jumbo with movies, everything comes down to fucking money. That's right. all it is. Right. It's just a fucking bottom line. And you have, you know, five to ten producers who are like, we all need to get tickets to Japan or to fucking, you know, Moscow to go sit in the production and to watch what happens. And you're like, well, maybe one of you guys go and save the fucking bus fare right and not stay at the four seasons in downtown yeah but that's the bennies these guys want i know but it's just ridiculous because then you're you know you're like i I don't know i I, it's the bottom line i i talked to the covid guy and i said we were talking about room limits because you can't be in you know more than who how many people can be in the room at once right and then and i said look you know, you have all these sequestered people and these non-sequestered people interacting well within their six feet social distance thing. You're wearing masks, but still, you know, some of them don't have face shields. Some of them go home to their family every night who don't, aren't tested. Right. <clears throat> and I said, what, like, is this bullshit? Like, I was, you know, I, because I, as a, as somebody who, is forced to be around a lot of people, different people all the time in my job. I, I'm always thinking about safety, like a, a grip does. A grip thinks about physical safety. But with COVID, I was fucking terrified of getting that fucking sickness. And, you know, I had spent, what, since March to fucking October in my compound, you know? Like, right. I didn't leave. I didn't go. I mean, I, I, I'd hazmat up to go to fucking Home Depot to get something, but it was very rare. And I was very comfortable. And then I, like, in Boston, they put me up at a fucking swanky, like, apartment complex in downtown Boston. And I walked in the room. I got in the elevator. I walked in the room. And I just called the person. I was like, give me the fuck out of here. Give me a fucking hotel in, like, Quincy or Braintree with the fucking, on the first floor near the, Fires like near the back door. I don't want to see a single fucking person. If you guys are going to put this much effort into us not seeing our family for four months, you know. And then, so I talked to the, anyways, back to that COVID guy. I talked to him. I was like, it's, you know, like, it's just bullshit. Anybody can get this fucking thing right. and give it to each other. There's all these l- rules you guys have are bullshit because they're new. And the guy was like, look, we're, we're trying. And he's like, and obviously you're like, yeah, that's, you're right. You guys are trying. And it's up to 
each one of us to kind of self-police. But at a certain point, you're like, but this is just about fucking money. Well, <laughs> I would imagine that most of these protocols and whether or not, whether or not they're bullshit or not, they were probably looking to the insurance companies. Of course. Before yeah. they were looking towards just, whether or not they were doing course, the right job or not. Of course. All it was was... <clears throat> Making sure that the insurance companies knew that they were doing yeah, something. Can you in order imagine to... the fucking contract that went out to Meryl Streep or DiCaprio or Jen Lawrence or whoever to be like, we will guarantee you not get COVID. Right. They're the only ones without masks. So at that point, you're basically, yeah, your insurance guy, you're, you're, they were all, everyone was waiting to see the big movie that was going to come to be made with all these big actors and how they would do. We weren't shut down for a single day. We were the only production in the entire fucking world that wasn't shut down for a day. So whose ass is, whose ass is it if somebody on that set gets COVID? Who's the one who's like, who, who the, who's the one who's going to get their balls kicked? The COVID in? team, of course. Oh, the COVID team. Mm-hmm. It, the reason the COVID team is there, basically, because they have the nurses and people on the, like the medical side. Like you have you, you basically rent nurses right. for fucking. You said there were like months. fifty people on the set. Yeah, easy. Fifty people just for just COVID. for COVID. Yeah, and for then how, you, how long of a shoot was it? Four months. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a lot. Such a, so much money. So much money. But it's fucking Netflix, you know. Go figure. Those motherfuckers made how much do they make? It's like Jeff Bezos making a billion a, a day. They you did know? a good job. Yeah. They did a good job. They did a great job because they were online. You had to do it. Yeah. So, you know, go figure. It's just like who made a killing and who can it was it was great that they hired me. I was fucking lucky. Yeah. Um, but I knew the producers well because we had done John Wick and we had done Snake Eyes together. And here's the question I had before. Now your images are very they're not how do you be, because I feel like you have created, especially I remember the time, just to back it up a little bit, I remember when you were working on John Wick, and you and I were in a bar, and you said, hey, check out these pictures, and you showed me the pictures, and the way the lighting was, it was all done at night, and I remember it was the Chinatown show, mm. the Chinatown, the way you do your lighting, and the coloring, and the pictures, I can pick out a Nico Tavernisi picture out of a handful of people's pictures. <laughs> you have a signature that is clearly yours. How do you keep that signature plus make sure that the movie companies are happy with the pictures that you're taking? Well, How do you I, satisfy both Because I, I, well... Because part of it is craft and part of it is art. Right. I mean, your style, the style that you have is very clearly your eye. Well, here's the thing. It, it's, it is my eye, but A, it's not my light. It's the cinematographer. And so if the cinematographer is doing a really good job and, and I'm comfortable around them... I have a really good shoot. So the cinematographer obviously lights it or it's just daytime. Um, but anyway, time you're inside or if it's night, it's the cinematographer who does all that work. And then you have the actor and then you have the costumes and the makeup and the hair. That's when everything in the stunt teams, everything, that's when you have everything kind of. And then I just happen to be there. Yeah, but the, I don't see. But the thing is, is when I look at your pictures from right. like the movie The Post, yeah, and then I and then I if you took the pictures from the post that you took and it's pictures you took from John Wick, right? There is clearly, there's clearly 
the fabric of connection because mm -hmm. I see a lot of pictures from yours. You do a lot of uh, different level. Your your angles are different levels, right? And just the your. I, when I look at the comp, uh, the composition of your pictures and the way your focus focal point is, I see the connections between the movies you've done. Even when you did Andrew Sp Andrew Garfield Spider Man, I still see the fabric of connection of Nico Tavernisi. This is my picture. This isn't like some you know a screenshot from mm. from somebody's fucking you know from the well. But a lot of it, a lot. So a lot of that is also editing and culling my images. So I'll on I'll shoot on average. A, a thousand to four thousand images a day on a set, and the studio only wants three hundred images. So a lot of that is just finding, editing your images. So I like to look for images that are a. The studio wants meat and potato shit. Right. They want, you know, snake the, eyes the, doing a backflip with yeah, a sword in his hand. Right. But the images I like are, you know. Snake eyes yawning, or something like right. this weird, something like, weird, something yeah, weird like and off-putting, yeah, yeah. like a whole crew standing there with their mouth open doing something, you know, like holding yeah. onto something. Like to me, those images are just different. They're fun. They're emotional. There's something that you don't see often. That's the fun shit. Like so, I have to shoot that shit for the studio because otherwise I wouldn't be hired again. But and I have constant dialogue with studios. That was the thing about Joker. They never fucking called me. Call, called you? Called me. They never called me. Every studio will always like email and be like, let's touch base. Let's figure out what you got, blah, blah, blah. We'll go, you know, we'll, you know, we've seen a lot of your stuff. We really like it, but, you know, try to get this or maybe let's set up right. a something. Not a fucking word from Warner Brothers on Joker. Do you think? So we were all, we were just like, oh, this is great. This is just like, do you think that's why Joker did so well? I mean, he got Academy Awards. I yeah, mean, it's yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, I think so. Sure. I, I think it was. You know that was all kind of Todd's vision. That was the, the whole point. Without any, without any, no minders, no minders. But a lot of people are like that. Darren's like that too. That was a wrestler, and that was to me well, my favorite movie. Here's a perfect there. example of how it goes wrong. Justice League. When the Justice League movie came out, it looked terrible to me. That's because there was twenty five producers. Well, I saw it on an airplane, and I thought, God, this is bad. And yeah. then we got HBO Max. Yeah. And I watched the, the, the Zack Snyder version, and it was like, how do they make two fucking different movies? I mean, yeah, it yeah. was just like they shot two different movies. Right. And obviously what happened was Zack Snyder had some tragedy with one of his, in his family. He leaves, they get Josh Whedon in, who's, who's, who's Josh Whedon was known for. I mean, his start was at Marvel. Yeah. Where he did, he was a writer for. He was right. a writer for. Uh, he was a comic book writer. Right. And then he, they got him in, and it was like a. I mean, it's two different movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very clear that you have somebody had, you know, they they the first one was like minded, and the second right. one was like this four hour badass movie with dark yeah, yeah. side, and yeah, yeah. You know, it was a, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was a long. I mean, thank God. Well, I watched that it a was, but that's hours. the other thing is that, you know, you. There's so many fucking people who want a piece of to put their name on the credit. They're like, oh, I produced that. I produced this. You know, there's always those. Everybody's got to fucking have a say. When I when I first start a gig, I'll have a meeting with all the advertising and photo heads. And there's like 20 people on the fucking call. And it's always they're always the same shit. Everybody's got to get their two cents in. 
Everybody's got to say like, oh, and I, I think we have a, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think maybe this sword in, in you know, with the sun setting. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things like everyone just has to stick their finger in the fucking pudding to make it fucking theirs. Right, right, right. And it, by the end of it, it's spoiled rotten and it tastes like shit. And that's, that's the problem with a lot of these big fucking blockbuster movies. That's why, you know, Iron Man was a cool fucking movie. The first one. Yeah. Because it was there was a big budget, but it was still kind of off the rails a bit, you know. I think the Iron Man was also good because you know the interesting thing about the Marvel the 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 if you if you were a comic book fan, you know that the Avengers concept was created by they did this Marvel Comics did a uh, series called the Ultimates, which was a reinvention of the Avengers in real life. Right. So they had that's they created Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Um, they created, you know, uh, Tony Stark was like still an alcoholic in the right. comic books. He was an alcoholic, but he was like a real dick. Yeah. And it was like he, they, that was the creation of the Avengers movie. Right, right. Um, I don't know why, why I said that. I don't know. He's got a. Oh, we're talking about, oh, you're talking about Iron Man. Yeah. So they created that, that template from the, the Ultimates, right. but they also made the Iron Man suit look like the fucking comic book Iron yeah, Man suit. Yeah. It didn't look like these focacta Batman suits that right, looked right. just. Don't look like the comic book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah. Iron Man costume looked like the fucking Iron Man costume from the comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I, you know, I don't know. It's it's too many fucking cooks in the kitchen in Hollywood. I, you know, the thing is, is that I used to work in the music industry, and the music industry was kind of glorious in a way that it was. It would there was so it was it was a giant river. If the fucking if the music industry is the Amazon, fucking Hollywood is like your backyard creek like right. you know it's tiny everyone knows everybody in the film industry and you can't fucking burn a bridge otherwise you're blacklisted by right. everybody so it's you know it's one of those things like it, it's a tiny little industry same fucking actors all that stuff that's why it's really hard to get in and it's just like i'm in it but i'm in such a i'm in such a weird bit player and i like it because i'm creative i'm comfortable doing it i love the crews that i work with and I have a rhythm, and I know how to do it. You know, I know how to shoot, and I enjoy it. Well, you so also know how to ingratiate yourself with the actors. Yeah, um, yeah, true. What, how do you, what do you do? I didn't know we've talked about this in the best. What do you do on a set when the actors don't like you? Like, your example. And The Wrestler, Mickey Rourke threw you off the oh, set. That was, but that was also my first film. Yeah, but he still threw you off the set. I, how do you yeah, do your job if he I, throws you off the set? Well, I remember Darren... Darren kind of pulled me aside after that a couple of times and Mickey was like, get the fuck out of here. And Darren's like, he's like shaking his head. He's like, I don't know, dude, figure it out. Like, just try to disappear. <laughs> and that was my first film. So from then on, I was like, well, I'm just going to wear all black and like hide in the fucking shadows. And so I did. And, and I just, I became kind of like, you know, a rear window with a fucking camera. Like I would just hide in places and shoot and hopefully no one would see me actor wise and i and i think it really benefited me because when you when people don't know you're taking a photo of them you get honest images right you know like you get you get some i, I know personally if someone if i know someone's taking a photo of me i mug for the camera you kind of mug for the camera right. even body right. wise you kind of like suck in your gut a little bit right. you like you know puff out your chest yeah, yeah. your chin up yeah yeah it's bullshit you know you, you want to see somebody like 
a fucking tired ape like sitting there, you yeah. know, like that. So I, I, I just candid shots are to me my my favorite kind of images. And it actually a lot of it, a lot of my favorite stuff has nothing to do with the actors; it's the crew, because the crew are just trying to get their fucking job done, right? right? And the crew is like the cream of the crop. The higher up you work in these big films, you know, like Spielberg crew or Fincher's crew, something like that. But it's 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 interesting to see these people at the top of their game, and just to document it. I I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. Actors, you give or take. I, some are fucking amazing, and some are the you know some of the sweetest people right. on earth, and some are the fucking most narcissistic megalomaniac fuckers. You know, making a shit ton of money. So it's one of those things. I, I try to pick... I'll turn down films if an actor's in it that I, I know I don't like. Really? Yeah. Easy. Have you done that a lot? A lot, yeah. Yeah. Actor who treat me like shit, I'll be like, yeah, I don't want to work with that guy again. So I'll wow. turn down the film company if they ask me. I, I'm, I'm really lucky to be... You're in that position. In that you position, can do that. sure. And, you know, because I've lost a couple jobs recently, maybe I will take that job. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Don't say it. Don't say it. Sounds like sounds like. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah, no, no. But I, you know, the, the, I would admit, I like the fact that you try to. You also are very. You know, they pay you a lot of money, and and a lot of times I, I can't imagine. I, I remember you took us to. We went a number of years ago to the set of Mother when you were in um, Montreal. We stayed with you in Montreal. Mm-hmm. We had such a great time, yeah. and then you introduced my kid to Jennifer Lawrence, and she cried in the car she was so excited <laughs> yeah. and it was so amazing but like i just can't imagine being on those sets doing things over and over and over i remember you told me when you were on the greatest showman you thought you were going to hang yourself listening to the music all oh, the time dude. How, yeah I, somebody asked me they're like how did you get through that and i said you know i had i had high on fire in my headphones i just listened to headphones i put like my oh yeah you, in. you don't give a shit i don't give people a fuck you don't have to sound. it doesn't matter but what it sounds like I, I realize that you have to hear everything that's going on because you don't know if someone's behind me, behind you going like, move your ass out of the way. Right, 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 right. You have to be, that's, you can't, you can't be invisible. If yeah, you, you can't be invisible if you're deaf. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like, all right, let's say you're, let's say you're on, let's say you're on The Greatest Showman. Right. And they're doing that scene over and over again, the three ring circus. I'm sure they're doing it just days and days and days, yeah, the yeah. same thing over and over again. Do you ever get the point where you're just like, I got enough pictures. Oh, I got yeah. 10,000 pictures. I'm going to sit the next few ones out. And if that happens, do you feel like, fuck, maybe I'm missing something? Yeah, all the time. Every single day. So Every single never... day, I have the biggest FOMO of all time. What's FOMO again? Fear of missing out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fear of missing out. So, like, I'm con- so I have a walkie-talkie strapped to my chest. And all I listen to is this Channel 1, which is the AD team, which is the assistant directors. And they're always the one to be like... All right, first team, which is the actors, the main actor. First team is moving to set. And as soon as you hear that, I fucking beeline it to set. So the first team is always the, the key, players key players in right. the scene. Yes. So when you hear first team's moving or on, on the move, on then the move. you strap up your cameras and you walk in. So what I'll do is most of the time I'll find a place I can edit. It's quiet, dark. Camera trucks are good for those because they have AC in the summer. And then you... You know, you have your walkie on all the time, and you just kind of gauge what's happening. Um, if I look at a monitor that's, like, on my, you can see what's being shot on your phone sometimes if you're looped into the nearby. 
I have to fucking run this. I, I get so like, oh my God, they moved the camera, you know, six feet over. I need to get this. And I get, I get too, you have invested. to like, you yeah, invested. Yeah. But you also have to know when the fuck to walk away. You know, it's like, it, otherwise you're just going to be, t- you, cause however many photos you take one day, the next morning you have to fucking go through them. And that's like what separates the fucking lions from the well. How prey. I mean, because the interesting thing about you, and I've known you for quite a while, I consider you one of my closest friends. I know that you have a bit of, I would say, ADD likes behavior. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Sure. What I I'm always fascinated by the fact that you can shut that down when you're on a film set, and you can be so you can be so attuned to what you need to do that day. Because you are. Yeah, because but, it's not like, ugh, I've already fucking seen Hugh Jackman singing this goddamn Jotpers. i already seen it all. I yeah, don't need yeah, to see yeah. it again. Right. What's going on over at Craft Services? Yeah, but it just gets too boring. It's more fun to shoot. It's always more fun to shoot. And, and sometimes, you know, it's fun to edit. Grey Showman was one of my favorite films I've ever worked on. Really? Because it was, it was one of my favorite cinematographers, Seamus McGarvey. And it was this... First-time director, this Australian guy, and he was the nicest fucking dude on the planet, and he was open to suggestions and open to like, okay, well, but not I, suggestions I from up. you. Of have you course, ever, have of you've course. gotten suggestions. You've got no. Su- I said I. He looked at photos, and on the second to last day, I walked by this whole this splinter unit, which is like a smaller film unit. They're shooting, and one of the guys was like, one of the guys, I was like, what are you guys shooting? They're like, the hands touching the ring. They're like, supposedly it's one of your photographs. So it had like 20 <laughs> people there like, you fucking guy. Totally. <laughs> That's Second awesome. to last day. I was like, oh shit. So, you know. Have you had more experiences like that where your, your picture's affected? Oh, how they sure. The but that's, a, that's, like the, that's like the kind of the gold. Like, well, how, well, tell me another one. Spielberg, one time I was, we were shooting the post and we were shooting this hair salon. I think it got cut from the film. In this hair salon and... and there was all these like hair dryers, you know, those like really cool chrome, like 50s style yeah, hair, yeah, hair dryers. Yeah. But there was a gap in the wall um, where the set was. And I was looking through this angle and it was this, the way the wallpaper was behind it and the light was hitting. It, I was like, this is unbelievable looking. And I shot it and I fucking, I look over and, and Spielberg standing like a foot from me. I mean, and he was like, you know, what are you looking at? What are you shooting? I was like, uh, look at the you know the way the light hits, and he's like, he's like, that's brilliant. I need that. I need that. Uh, you know, that was a, that was amazing. That was like one of the never happened again. But that's incredible. The, I mean, that's of an course. Inc- Can you imagine like inspiring Spielberg to make a fucking shot? Jesus, like my you know I I had lived at that point. You know, it was cool. So for movie style, that was like there there are moments like that are a lot of fun. But there's also something to be, you know, there's also, you know, Scorsese doesn't, he he calls me the ninja and that's about it. Like he doesn't. He calls you the ninja. Yeah. Martin Scorsese calls you the ninja. Yeah. That's but he sweet. doesn't, he's not really into the images. Like where Aronofsky and Fincher and and Spielberg need to see the images. Like need to. Why? There's something about it that it's almost like um we did that. Like I accomplished it. Like you right. look, they look at the dailies and the dailies is what you film on that day. Right. Usually you get them the next day and they'll look at them and be like, Oh, that looked great. Cause film has to be processed. 
um, if it's a film, whatever. It's a yeah. film, film. And uh, but for some some reason, some directors just really like a. It probably helps them kind of gauge how they're shooting it through maybe a different eye. They might get ideas like um, like the director from Gray Showman. They they you know like Todd Phillips was fanatical about looking at my images basically because he saw the first couple of days and I sent it to him and he's like, I, I'm, I fucking love these images. Like they make me so happy to look at your images. And then of course, like a week later, he's like, well, he comes to me. He's like, dude, what's up with your images today? They what suck. Do you, mean? you know, like they weren't good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really? Like, yeah. It was one of those days. Where he Jesus. Was like, he was like, you better up your game. Like, Did he really say yeah, that? Of course. Was that almost like a threat? Like you're going to, they're going to get thrown <laughs> no, off. The no, no, no. He would know he wouldn't because I had already kind of God. blown the doors off. But the problem God. is I set the bar so high oh on day one. Oh my God. That all I had of a sudden to, I'd like dig my because, way I mean, back up. Your images from the Joker are iconic. Yeah. Like him but, walking down those stairs yeah, in yeah. Yonkers. Yeah. I don't know if it's Yonkers or Brooklyn, the Bronx, where apparently the people of that neighborhood fucking hate it yeah, that yeah. white people show up yeah, to yeah. do that to fucking do dance down the shit. stairs yeah, yeah, right. oh my god I can't imagine. don't do yeah. it if yeah. you're don't do it you're driving the neighbors <laughs> crazy but the fact is you get these amazing images and all of a sudden next thing you know the director says hey man what the fuck dude? yeah come on man slow day do they freak you out no you kind of take it in stride you're like yeah well whatever yeah. Oh, wasn't jesus a great christ day. jesus christ <laughs> because you, you know you're shooting every day that's the thing you know on you know, on Snake Eyes, I was shooting three different units and shooting like hair and makeup tests and doing like I was literally running around like mountaintops in Japan, like running from first to second unit to to stunt unit. And then I was just I was trying to capture as much as I can. I would come home every night with four thousand images, five thousand images, and and I had to edit it all on the mountaintop the next morning, like in these you know temples. And you're sitting there. It's fucking winter in Japan on top of a mountain. It's like 43 degrees. You can't wear shoes inside the temple. Where do you plug in? Where do you plug in? There's one power source to power all the batteries for the cameras. And you kind of tap in and pray that fucking doesn't blow the fuse. So my weekends in Japan were literally just in the hotel editing. That's all I did for like 12 how, hours a day. So how, long would it, so how long would it take you to edit for a day's worth of pictures well on that it took a lot I, i'm really good at editing like i got to a point where i'm like you just know you know what yeah you need to i can go through a thousand images in an hour and be Jesus. like yep got it so, how good were how good a people were uh henry golden golding yeah and uh and koji and Co andrew koji how good nice people yeah you no, introduced me to them and they've been shockingly yeah, nice yeah. no they're shockingly awesome. nice they're awesome oh yeah and henry and andrew are they're kind of like that they're like that hugh jackman kind of like tom hanks like just love what they're doing and they're fucking good at it and just very genuine with the crew like you know who um Oh my God! Who's the Who's the dude who played uh, Ray Charles? What was the guy who played Ray? Charles? Oh, Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. And Jamie Fox was the same way. Like he he would he was like super nice. He'd remember all your names. He would look you in the eyes, shake your hand in the morning, you know, and say, you know, and that was one of those things that you just. It's nice to be a you know you're in a, a film crew. Are they? A, you think they're appreciative? Or do you think? Or do you think it's? No, no, no. Or do you think it's? Do you think it's appreciative, or do you think it's performative? Because they know it's me being a 
people on the crew thinking I'm a good dude is going to help me later. It could. It could. So it could be performative. Sure. But, you know, I talked to Vincent Cassell, um, who's this actor from La Haine, the French film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was in Black Swan, and I was interviewing him for the making of, and... and um, and he said, he was like, you know, when I was doing Lahaina, I, I always walked on the set all hard. You know, like, fucking chest yeah, yeah. out. Like, what the fuck, yeah. man? Like, where's my fucking coffee? Like, just a total dick. Yeah. Because his character is such a fucking scary skinhead dude, you know? Right. And then he said, I, I it burnt out so fast. Like, everybody kind of, like, left the room when I walked in. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wanted to be around me. Oh. He's like... They would like be terrified to get me coffee, and they would fuck it up, and whatever. You know, it's one of those things that he was like, "Look, I, I don't have to act for the crew. Like, as right. soon as I became myself and comfortable around the people I work with, everything just fell into place." But I would just imagine that th- that there's probably there's probably some like I would think that in my mind, all I can think of is like I you hear stories of Tom Cruise and how he's just so nice to every single person. He knows mm-hmm. all their names. He brings everybody. He treats. I would think that there becomes a certain level where somebody takes these actors aside and say, "Look, you <laughs> yeah. you shit is going to fucking travel. Yeah, yeah. If you are garbage human being, I don't think it does. I, think I don't it th- does. I don't think. Why oh, would you no, have no, to no, remember no, no. these people? No, I don't think. Anybody tells an actor, shape up. Oh, you think they see it? I think they see it because anytime you're around actors, everybody who surrounds them fucking fluffs the shit out of them. So you're basically like, you know, the hair and makeup team come in and they're like, first thing you hear in the morning is like, oh my God, you look amazing today. Can you imagine hearing that every fucking day? Like, so much so that you're just like start gagging. You're just like <laughs> shut oh, up, shut the fuck yeah, like, up, break, man. Like I feel like shit. Like don't you know? <laughs> like acting. I swear to God, I wouldn't ask that to to the, my worst enemy. Like to be an actor. Oh God, no thanks. Be, uh, so just to just cause at some point down the line, I'm gonna get these pictures from you. And be- before you left for GI Joe, I said I'd love to be able to give a couple knives to Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. And you, you came to the shop right before you left and made a couple, like, the ninja knives. Mm-hmm. And you gave them to uh, Andrew Koji and Henry Golden, who plays Golding, who plays Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. And you sent me these pictures where I've, I, I've, I, maybe or maybe not I have them. <laughs> I won't post them. I'm, I know I wouldn't do anything to, you know, the, behind the scenes of them having them. And it was really amazing. But you also showed me these pictures you took of Andrew Koji saying, hey, let's take a picture for your friend who made the knives. Yeah. And they're just like, I, all I could think of is you, you show them to me and they're incredible images of Storm Shadow brandishing my knife. But the fact is, is the, the fact is he's got so much stuff to do. But for him to think, hey, this, was a, this would be a nice thing to do for your friend. Let's take some pictures with it. Yeah. It's so thoughtful. Yeah, it's so yeah. unnecessary yeah. too. But it was just like... I just think that, I mean, and, and I had nice conversations with Henry. I've had nice DMs with Andrew. It just couldn't be nicer people. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't seem like the kind of douchebags you expect these Hollywood people to be. <laughs> no. Like, they're I mean, so nice. Yeah, no. Like, you also expect Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes to be fucking assholes anyway. Yeah, yeah. You, you, but they're just like, they couldn't be nice. When you gave them the knives, I, I, I got these messages saying, thank you so much. Yeah, really, yeah. Really, they, they found out who I was on Instagram, yeah. and they, they just DM me. So it was, couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there. I mean, there's great. There's, look, there's always going to be good and really sweet people who work in the industry uh, across the board. Right. Really amazingly nice directors who know what the fuck they're doing. Right. 
you know, unbelievably good cinematographers who are kind and gentle and who know how to talk to you. There's always going to be actors who will recognize your name and, and keep in touch with you over time and will hire you again. And there's always going to be the assholes. Yeah. And this fucking industry is filled with them. I can't imagine. All the way down to the fucking PA, which is the, the right. lowest on the totem pole, but they have the hardest job because they get paid jack shit and they have yeah. to stop people from a New York City street from right. walking down the sidewalk right. Right. and they get it's shot super obnoxious. Shit. I've, yeah. I've been like, of come course. on, man. Come on, man. Of you got to let me cross the street. the worst job ever. Nobody wants that job and they get paid like 25 bucks a day. You know, like They're, stupid. If you're filming in New York City, the PAs will stand and lot, let you cross the street and it's just like, you can see the look of like, Oh my god! They'll stop me. Stop. They'll stop me. They have to stop. You have to stop people from walking across the street. And you know these people are just like get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you can't yeah. tell me. This. You know, and you can see the look on their face. Like oh, I have to do this all day. Yeah, I have to tell strangers. I know it's awful. It's a it's terrible a job. job, and they get paid nothing. But you know, there's assholes in that too. It's just like you. I don't know. It's you just have to roll the punches. And the 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 great thing, which is also a shitty thing, is that you. We'll have to work with new people all the time. Right. So you have to be that kind of person who basically, I basically say please and thank you all the time. Right. I stay the fuck away for the first couple of days to kind of get the touch and feel of the actors. Um, I don't like to charge in. I, I make sure that the sound guy knows where the fuck he's going. I'm not in his way. Right. Like There has to be this giant fucking ballet dance between everybody. And the you know once you get to know them once you start working your way in that's that's the only way and then you become friends and even assholes you still have to kind of placate to in a way you know like I'm so low on the totem pole because you don't really need my images to make a movie right my images are my job is really for after the film's done and that's when so the crew they never know what you're doing in a way they're like oh I hope you take some good photos yeah. you know have you ever spoiled a scene have you ever made a noise where there's cut oh, cut yeah, yeah, cut yeah, yeah. who's oh, that of course come on of let's course. hear it no it's all you know not all the time but you know because the problem is because now i'm this fucking ninja yeah if i make a fucking peep <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead tell us oh uh, recently yeah we had uh there was <laughs> <laughs> awful so you have to turn your phone i always turn everything oh, off on my phone right god so my wife hates me because I forget that my phone is in movie mode almost all the time, which means there's no Siri, there's no any sound whatsoever, there's no vibration because right. the vibration can be heard. So um, I sh basically I don't turn my phone off, but I just shut all the buzzers right. off. But the problem was on the Boston gig, you had to get texts or phone calls from the fucking COVID testing in order to get green lit into the set. Right. Well, I forgot to turn my phone back off. When I got into set. Right. And I never, you know, I never turn my phone on. Right. When I'm on a film for okay. four months, I can right. leave my phone off, right? So, so yeah, okay. So, because of COVID, I blame COVID. I went in there. We're, it's a dinner scene. I can't really explain. It's, it's a prayer between four of the main fucking actors in a tiny room, in a little living room. So, Leonardo DiCaprio. We're not going to... I know, mean, maybe. <laughs> Allegedly. And the the problem was I was standing the the cinematographer was also the camera operator yeah. and I love this guy so much he's the sweetest guy named Lena Sangren and uh, the sweetest dude in the world but 
I'm standing next, right next to him, the only spot I can get, and my phone, it doesn't ring, it chimes a text oh. right when the main actor is delivering his, like, like, you know. Big monologue. Big, quite, it's just oh a fucking my. pin drop moment. And my yeah. phone my phone goes, bling! <laughs> and it's sort of gone. <laughs> it was worse than a fart, because the, fucking, <laughs> the cinematographer... Is looking at the viewfinder and he looks up with one eye cocked at me. <laughs> and then I look at him and I'm, I gave What's him a feeling? shrug. Hot flashes, just like hot death. Like you just feel like you're about to get into a fight. Did the actors just stop speaking? No, they kept going. No, because they're actors. They're, they're good actors. They keep doing it. After when they sell cut, they'll be like, Can you please turn off your phone? Make sure you know the all the 80s oh, were like, Silence god. everything, please silence everything. Oh my god. But the cinematographer busted me because my phone was literally like right next, next to his fucking ear. So it must have been really loud for him. And it had just the eyebrow raising oh and looking up at god. me. And I looked at him and I was like, I don't know. I gave him a shrug, like, maybe it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to. He tried to. Uh, that's yeah. I tried to, tried to one off that one. Have, but, you, ever, yeah. have you ever been in any other? I, I would imagine like in a movie. Like now, here's the thing. We're an hour in. I'm having a good time. I'm going to give you the option. We could downward spiral. I got stories, or we could yeah. keep going this direction. A couple more questions. A couple more talk about the movies, and then we'll, you want to spiral yeah, yeah, into some yeah. weird stories. Yeah. All right. So, John Wick. Right. It's all. There's not a lot of monologue. It's all like dialogue. 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 Yeah. It's all action. Yeah. How do you do? How do you take pictures? What are you looking for when you're doing John Wick? Uh, well, I mean, <coughs> John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're really looking for moments that Keanu has, where he's, you know, whatever, like holding a fucking pencil and like, you know, Bruce Leeing it or something like that. The um, one image you have on your Instagram, it's black and white, and he's basically over hulking over a guy's chest. He's obviously plunged a knife into the guy's mm -hmm. chest, and there's something about his hair. Mm. Like you've captured this image. He looks, you know, he really would have. If he was shorter, he would have been a good Wolverine. Yeah, he would have been a good Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, definitely. He's the thing is, is that well, that was in the Jersey Transit. That was for John Wick too, and that was on the Jer that was on the Path Train. Uh, at Christopher Street. Well, there was two. You have one image where he's standing behind. He's standing with a train behind him, looks at Amtrak behind him, and then the ne next one in your Instagram feed, he's like, he's like, he's finished plunging the knife yeah, into yeah. someone. That was, yeah. And then he's he's looking at his next victim. Yeah. Looking f towards his so next. So I was victim. on the next track with the public, like because there was, but it was late night, so it was like before the path closed. I think path closes at like eleven or something like that. I think okay. it does. Anyway, so it's like one of the last trains to go. So I'm with the. Some of the public, there's like 10 people on the platform. Right. And the rest of the crew is on the, the main platform that we were shooting on. But I, I was like, I can't get anything because the fucking focus puller's in the way, the boom guy's in the way, the operator's in the way. I can't get a good, clean image. So I'm going to fucking go over where public is and shoot from there. So that was the image. And I laid on the ground on the fucking, you know, the nasty platform, just laid down there and shot it. So it was good, and, you know, and that's what the image. He just he like they like cut, and he looks up, and he looks right in my fucking lens. There. Yeah, it was dope. I mean, there's so many moments, you know. But I, then again, you know, I shoot so much that I don't know. I just I, I'm I'm 
I'm like fishing with a fucking thousand reels. You know? Right. Right. So, at, at, at any are there any moments when you're when you're taking pictures where you're just like, that's the fucking one? Yeah, totally. Yeah, we did that with with West Side Story with Spielberg's remake, and there was this moment where the Steadicam's going through all this. This it's a big high school dance, and uh, but then the two groups kind of like start dance fighting. You know, it's like right. a big, it's a right. big fucking scene. It's hot as shit, summertime, twenty nineteen, and we're in South Brooklyn somewhere at this old church gymnasium and it, it was one of those moments you could see the like they kind of they line up like kind of face to face and the camera on the steady cam kind of pans around them and it looks fucking and i was like that's the fucking image and i was like oh my god that's the image and i run over to steven and i'm like that's the fucking image and he's like that is the image let's 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 do this so he had them recreate the whole fucking scene for me wow but that's spielberg he'll do that so I remember when you were filming this. This was right before pandemic. This is like one of the last films you did before pandemic, before you went to G.I. Joe. The expectation for a movie like West Side Story is it's going to be a big movie because yeah. you have the actors are like all in the New York City Ballet. These yeah. are like professional dancers. Yeah. You, got, you introduced me to them. They were yeah. extraordinarily nice. And yeah. this, the expectation for a movie like this is going to be a monster. Yeah. What's going to happen? Obviously, they had to push back for yeah. release. Yeah, pushed it a year. What is what is the expectation for movies coming out that were pushed? Like, I know that John Krasinski's new movie, he's really pushing for him to be in theaters. People are trying to put... I know that G.I. Joe is pushing to be in theaters. Yeah. What's the expectation on a big budget movie like West Side Story? Do they say, we're going to push it until people start to feel comfortable going outside? Or we're going to stream it on Netflix? Or... What is the expectation for how they're going to deliver it to the audience? Oh, well, I mean, it all comes down to that one thing again. It's just money. money. It's just money. It's but just I mean, a movie like that has got to be like in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, and, then, sure. and then all of a sudden, what do you do? Is it cheaper to hold off until people are ready to go back in the theaters? Or Yeah, because theater, theaters are make the money, you know? Opening weekend is your fucking payback. You know, that's one of those things like I, I, and that was the mind blowing thing about Joker, too, is that we had no idea it would be that big. And in fact, no one was doing big press stuff on it because they were terrified of somebody fucking going in and columbining the fucking theater. So, oh, yeah. So I was told to not post anything like I got kind of reprimanded because I posted some images from Joker that, when the movie came out. And then they were just like they're like cease and desist. Like, we're, you know, we don't want anybody to, like, get the wrong idea about Joker. I was like, well, he is a fucking, like, homicidal maniac, right. you know? It's called he, Joker. Yeah, I mean, he's... But they, I think it was the time period. It was something weird about that. And everyone was just like, oh, my God, this movie is going to fuck it. Someone's going to shoot up a theater. Let's not do any press. Well, so there was nothing. But with that said, I mean, they did... That one guy in Colorado did shoot up a theater during yeah, Batman. The, during during, Batman. during the, right. But during Dressed the, as the Joker. Dressed as the Joker during the Christopher Nolan Batman. Yeah. So people were terrified. The film company was terrified of that happening because this film was so dark. It didn't fucking happen. And but they that, don't get worried about, like, fucking John Wick. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? John Wick can go around fucking shooting till his fucking nuts fall off and nobody <laughs> cares. But God forbid you put one dude who looks in the camera and is like, I want to kill somebody. And then everybody, you know, people start shooting up theaters. I don't fucking know, man. People are... Humans are so fucking crazy yeah. they're crazy yeah I don't know 
I, okay, so let's switch over because. All right, so this is perfect. Speaking, <laughs> so, but wait, hold on, hold go on. Go ahead. I have. I'm pulling my phone out too because you go know ahead. what. All right, so the downward spiral. This was the, uh, the original downward spiral. We would do the first half. What's going on with our lives? For me, no one gives a shit about what I'm doing anyway. So, but and then all of a sudden, yeah, that was a long first half. Wasn't no, it? good, no, no, it was good because these are questions. I had other questions, but at the same time, I, you know, the whole thing is, is I, I'm trying to, I'm far more interested in the person than, than you know, no one gives a shit what I, I did my week. It doesn't really matter anymore. So I'm far more interested in you. So what were you gonna say on your phone? What you gonna say on your phone? Can we pause it for two seconds? I mean, you can't. Why? Because you can't. You can't pause it. Why? Really? You have to take a leak? Sure. Do you have to take a leak? Oh, but just smoke right here. It's fine. I don't care. Really? Yeah. Look, I don't want to... Okay. I don't want to ruin that. All right, here we go. Keep going. I'm going to show you my phone. Because I screen captured it. This is this morning. Okay. Missing man found dead inside dinosaur sculpture statue. Okay, go ahead. Dude. So this is where we get... We, Did you read about this? No, I, I wish I had found... I have other weird th stories, but... This is the time where we're going to start to read weird stories and talk about them. So feel free and to... A, you know, it's about human fucking So wait, idiocy. so what happened? Okay, so missing man found dead inside dinosaur statue. This is in Barcelona, Barcelona. Yes. This morning, I think. In Spain, it says. Um, he was reported missing by his family a couple of hours earlier. Well, it seems like... Okay, so... There's a dead guy inside a fucking statue. How does he get in there? Maybe there's a hole or something like that. What do you right. think he's trying to get inside a fucking statue? What do you think happened? Do you think he, he was, was trying to jerk off inside there? That's a good one. <laughs> well, what was? Did he? Did they? I mean, obviously he's dead. They don't know. Was he nude? No. And there wasn't foul play. So maybe he was trying to fix a crack. Maybe he's trying to fix. Maybe there was a part that he thought he was going to try to fix. He was taking a fucking photo of himself or something, dropped the phone inside the fucking dinosaur, and then tried to climb in the dinosaur, slipped and fell down headfirst into the leg, the bottom of the leg, headfirst, trapped, died. Fuck All the you. blood rushed to his head. So fucking he tried died. to take a picture, he dropped his phone in, fell in. Got, no, climbed in. Climbed Impossibly in. hard to climb in the mouth of the dinosaur. Tiny, tiny hole. Got inside. Must have slipped down the leg. Hit his head or something. And was trapped there for two days. Inside a fucking hot ass. <laughs> dinosaur. Head first. <laughs> you imagine? I mean, what a way to go. Because the motherfucker was Terrible. conscious. Terrible. He was aware. Terrible. But like, he couldn't yell? Screaming. Yeah, sure. But I think it was in like a part a of the Sunday. city that was... Yeah, maybe. Oh my oh, god. god. So what he cooked so he basically cooked inside the, it was an outdoor sculpture statue. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. So it wasn't even in a museum. It was in a fucking he was just cooking in a fucking bronze sculpture. I'll show you. I don't want to see. I'll show you his body. No. I don't want to no, see. No, no, no. <laughs> that's a fucking terrible way to Dude, go. Dude, that's a hell of a story. I was so excited when I read that in my Google News feed this morning. I wonder if it's still well, there. Well, this is downward spiral weird news. This is the downward spiral spiral weird news segment. But that, I mean, you know, think about that as a way to go. Terrible. It's got to be slowly one of the worst. cooking. You're slowly because he cooked. He cooked upside in that, down. He cooked. He cooked in that fucking sculpture. I gotta find the. How did he get into the mouth? That's the thing. I can't figure it out. It's tiny. It's a stegosaurus. The stegosaurus is big, but the mouth was small. Uh, 
while Man. he was. Uh, it would have been better if he was naked. Dead. Man, just just you should Google. Well, I'll look just Google "man found dead" in your Google and see what happens. No, thank you. Okay, <laughs> so here I so basically I, I put up some um, so I have some stories. So here's what we're gonna do. Oh There's my the god, he was totally trapped inside that leg. Yeah, the leg is human size, so it was yeah. like a, it was like a fucking upside down coffin. Funnel. Yeah, he was jammed inside the leg. Yeah, god, what a dummy. <laughs> What a but, dumb way to go. How would they even know this smell? If he's maybe dead. Somebody heard, maybe, no, I don't know what happened. And they, maybe they, by the time they got him out, he was dead. I don't know. I don't know. He was missing. Dude, that's the stupidest way to go. Fucking dumb. Stupidest way to go. Awful. All right, so I have some downward spiral weird stories that I found. And you say yes or no. If you want to head into them, we'll head into them. If, if, if it doesn't interest you, we'll go on to the next one, okay? Yeah, yeah. So the first one is Goop. You know Goop? Oh, the fucking what's-her-name's shit? Goop is Gwyneth Paltrow's company, Goop. Goop is sued over exploding candle called This Smells Like My Vagina. Do you want to talk about that? No, because I hate her. Okay, all right, well, okay. How about... Okay, can, I tell you, can I tell you a little story about her? If you're not going to get in trouble... I'm not going to, like... I'm not going to... I'm harsh on her, but in a good way. Okay. So I, I was working for... Jerry Seinfeld's wife once. Oh yeah, I remember that. Do I was doing her cooking show. I was filming her cooking show. Or book. Was it a book or? Yeah, but show? I was doing her online okay, shit, okay. right? Okay. And uh, Gwyneth is their friend, or whatever. So she comes over and they were talking, you know, about what recipes they like and blah blah blah. And I swear to God, the what she said was Gwyneth said, you know, when you get a your your box of artichokes in the morning, or not artichokes, uh, um, oh yeah, artichokes? Yeah, artichokes. Like with the fucking spiny little Yeah, shit. artichokes. You know how expensive those fucking things are, right? Artichoke. Yeah, artichokes are expensive. expensive, right? Right. You know when you get your morning case on your porch delivered? Like, what do you do with all those avocados every day? Or artichokes. Artichokes, right. I don't know. She gets a daily batch of artichokes sent to her house? Yeah, but she was just kind of laughing about it. Like, you know, growing up, having a case of artichokes every morning. Like, and the best thing is she didn't turn off. Jessica forgot, the wife forgot to turn off comments on her YouTube account. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) They were just raked over the coals. I mean, like, rich, rich white people bitching about getting too many fucking artichokes. And I swear to God, the best comment left was, I want that bitch's sweater. <laughs> that, that, Isn't that great? That is the best That's of them the all. That's the best of them all. That I want the that best. bitch's sweater. <laughs> so you don't want to hear about her exploding? No, I don't, I don't okay. okay. Would you like to know the vulgar origin of the word cocktail? Do you know how they came up with the word no, cocktail? No, I want to know. Oh, dude, this is fucking weird. So the uh, so a cocktail is what you drink, like right. a beverage. Mm-hmm. So this is you'll never look at a cocktail the same way. The origin of the word cocktail is often a subject of debate, but few uh, of the most prominent theories involve the rear end of a horse. The thing that is uh, the thing the thing the thing the handlers would do to the rear end of the horses. Um, so they're the one that the part that was the most, the, the, the part that was the best was 
The word cocktail became slang for a drink made with liquor, but it was also combinations of sugar, waters, and bitters. Alcoholic beverage, blah, blah, blah. One of the theories explained is, um, the word cocktail is linked to the old practice of gingering a horse, which is allegedly involved, which, is, which allegedly involved putting a piece of peeled ginger up a horse's ass to make it lively and carry its tail well, according to the definition found in the 1758 Classical Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue. Um, further claims have found evidence that gingering is in fact linked to the term cocktail after finding a 1790 newspaper referencing an English clergyman who made people's cock their, cock their tails by putting ginger and hot pepper into their alcoholic beverages. Huh. So it comes from, it comes from they would try to make the horses look a certain way yeah. where their tails would go up. I so understand. Okay. So I understand the tail. Okay. But what's the cock do? Cocking their tail. Uh, when you so it's like so I guess they wanted the tails to be pointed like oh. pointed up so it would like have like that fountain look of the of the, yeah, of, yeah, the yeah. of the of the tail the tail fucking hair and then the it has tail to do hair. with ginger mixing they with shove a fucking assholes. they cut a piece they take a piece of ginger yeah they take the fucking skin off yeah they'd shove it up a cow a horse's ass yeah and it would fucking make them fucking prance around it prance would like, yeah. make their tails go up yeah yeah so a cocktail and, but but the changeover to the monk or they, whatever the, 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 was that he would make these alcoholic beverages right. with with hot peppers and shit and it would they would say well this is just like but cocking, they, but whole, they wouldn't shove it up their the ass tail. <laughs> i don't think they were shoving it up their ass but it was the same idea of yeah, gingering yeah. a horse huh. was uh was uh making the you know and that's where it came from so when you're but thinking, wait, have you heard of gingering a horse? No, never heard of it before in my life. It sounds great. I mean, it sounds no, like you. It doesn't. No, it doesn't sound great at all. No, but it sounds like oh, you've gingered your horse. Like it sounds like something people would say, right? I mean, it doesn't to sound... to ginger a horse. Like it sounds ginger, terrible. The word ginger just sounds equine. Yeah, doesn't it? but it, gingering a horse is shoving a. No, I know it's fucking its brutal. It's stupid and and barbaric. Well, they're just trying to. Like, but it just the words sound good. I know, but I think it's hilarious. You know, you make yourself a nice cocktail. It's it's too bad the monk didn't shove hot peppers up his ass <laughs> and then drink a bottle of bourbon. So there you go. The word cocktail, never known before. Uh, there you go. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right, so here's a... I'm going to just keep... Tell me when you want me to go. Yeah. A California Tesla driver arrested while riding in the back seat. Not the two that burned to flames. Not that I know of. There's that story. Tell me just when to stop. That's depressing, though. There's a Hummer, a Hummer with four containers of gasoline burst into flames after filling them up at a Florida gas station. Did you see the video of that woman filling her grocery bags, Dude, plastic bags, this up is, with this gasoline? This is one of those things. The, the, these people went crazy for the yeah. gasoline shortage. They yeah. were filling everything up. It defied. It just defied logic yeah. that they would fill up plastic bags full of gasoline and then put it in their trunk. From what I talked to a friend of mine in Florida. He said that there wouldn't have been, or I talked to someone, or was it, no, was it you or Matt Arnold? I, I, that there wouldn't have been a shortage if people didn't hoard of the course. gasoline. But that's, but that's what a, that's what a shortage is. I mean, unless it's like the Suez Canal kind of thing, idiots, you know? But I think it, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's like toilet paper in the beginning of the pandemic. Like, but we I mean, have enough. Stop buying it. But why, I can't be, believe people would. I can't believe. I love the pictures. I, but of the problem is, I I can't believe nobody kept nobody talked about the fucking 
dipshits, the genius dipshits who fucking did the ransom. They got paid. Do they? Yeah, five million. What happened? Tell me, what, tell, what was the story behind Some that? Some fucking, you know, East Block, like, former Soviet hackers broke in to Colonial Pipeline's infrastructure software right. and shut it down. Not, they didn't shut it down. They basically said, look, we have control over your pipeline. Not your pipeline, but we have control over day-to-day, whatever, distribution, blah, blah, blah. Right. We have control of your outdated, you know, Lotus 123 fucking software <laughs> that you haven't updated since 1975, and we want $5 million. And Colonial Pipeline was the, you know, second, the, probably the largest pipeline on the East Coast. Basically was like, fuck, okay, well, what do we do? We can't let just these this people shut it down. We have to shut it down manually and do everything manually. Like, we can't. Right. So they did that. And then what happened was it, it was just like this, you know, it was a fucking tsunami wave that happened because of that. And the hackers actually, they found him. They, you know, whatever, they digital fingerprint or whatever, they got him, they found them. But this is after they got paid the $5 million ransom to give their software back. And, but they apologized. The hackers did. Yeah. After they got the money. Yeah. Saying, we didn't mean to cause so much chaos. We didn't think, like, we just like doing, like, kind of practical jokes. This shut down the fucking eastern seaboard and almost had people murdered, you know. And people died from fucking flames shooting out of their car because they were filling their gap. You know, that's the repercussions of fucking... But nobody talked about that shit. They all talked about, like, oh, my God, when is the gas going to come back? Like, we can't, you know, we're paying five, seven bucks a fucking gallon here. But no one talked about the fucking, the possibility of your fucking stock trades or, or like, a fucking, you know, the Internet shutting down. We, we had a storm last summer that knocked out our power for one week and our Internet for two. I was grateful. It felt good. My son... Lost his mind. Had a fucking nervous breakdown. And, I mean, it was glorious. We were reading books. We were, like, looking at nature. We were swimming. We were, you know, it was... But he started, you know, his eye started twitching, you know? It was like Clouseau. It was fucking horrible. That's just the minimum of what is possible. Oh, of course. Hurricane Sandy, too. Yeah, but so imagine, like, satellites going down. Like, okay. someone controlling that shit. So we All don't right. want to go into Hummers with forecasts. We no, get no. the idea. All right. <clears throat> well, let's do, I got some COVID stuff. Dracula's Castle is a bloody good place to get a COVID-19 shot. So, so I'll do, do mm-hmm. the, give you the, the synopsis. So Romanian doctors are offering a jab in the arm rather than a stake to the heart. At Dracula's Castle in Transylvania, Romanian doctors are offering a jab in the arm rather than a stake to the heart. A COVID-19 vaccination center is being set up in the periphery of the Romanian Brand Castle, which is purported to be the inspiration behind Dracula's home in Bram Stoker's uh, 19th century graphic novel, Dracula. Yeah, no. Whenever I think of Romania, I think of cannibals. Okay, well... It makes me happy. I'd rather talk about cannibals, but... All right. All right, how about couple discovers delicious pate they loved was actually cat food? 
What? <laughs> All right, that's a what. A what is always, let's read about this. So a mom howled with laughter after her elderly parents asked her to buy them more of that gorgeous pate, only to discover that they had eaten a tin of cat food. Angela Holloway had been shopping for her mom, uh, Margaret Lincoln, and stepdad, Donald Lincoln, through the coronavirus uh, crisis, but usually separates the pet food from the rest of the shopping. That meant the 59-year-old was confused last week when her mom told her they'd eaten a really lovely dinner of gorgeous gourmet pate and baked bread. The Sheffield uh, couple, who now lives in France, were eating Angela's sister's uh, sister, uh, Beverly Weston, but no one had noticed the cat on the packaging, and they struggled to read the French labeling. Um, they, they think it was cat pate? They thought it was pate, and it Made turned into... No, they, they thought it was pate, but it turned into... It was French cat food. This is a this is something that I could see Craig Lockwood do. These are cute stories. But Too cute. Not, yeah, All right. So the family like moved hallmark. to France and admitted. Uh, Where are the I nearly dungeons? wet myself. Well, there's not as many crazy things. Our right, former defor- uh, former defense manager says UFOs are real. Oh, I like the UFO thing, but you know what? It's like until they get a good camera. Like, how is it the fucking aircrafts don't have good cameras? I I the whole thing that drives me the craziest. And so, you know, you see all these reports saying that, you know, I guess there's a 60 Minutes thing saying that all these people are saying that there were UFOs or whatever they're calling them, they're calling them something different. No matter what you think about Trump, this would have been his fucking move. Telling everybody we know about the UFOs, I've met with the aliens, we have specimens... That would have been in his wheelhouse. I Hmm. so to me, I mean, of all feeding into what he wanted in terms of the adoration or the history making thing, if he could have been the one to tell the world that yes, and here are the examples, I find it all hard to believe that he wouldn't have found it interesting. So there's nothing there. It there are. I mean, there is. There's 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 enough sightings, but I just would imagine that Trump would have been like, yo, look what I found. Yeah. Here's, he would have been the one to, t- to want to tell the world yeah, about yeah, the UFOs, yeah. and he didn't. He didn't. So it makes me think it didn't happen. Right. Because that would have been like the easy fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, if he, I think that if he had t- told the world about UFOs, I think he would have won the election. Yeah. If he said, huh. this is the real story about, yeah, yeah. here's what happened. But he could have made it up. Why didn't he make it up? He didn't. He didn't do anything. He forgot yeah, about it. too bad. Like, I would have thought that that would, that would have been his move. Yeah. Yeah, tell the, tell the, tell the, here's, hey, humanity. Yeah. Here, I'm going to tell, I'm going to officially tell you the world that they're aliens and here we got, we got, we got a couple dead ones over here in the freezer. Right. Yeah, that would have been a good move. That would have been smart. Hey, you know what? You know what's right below my foot? Go ahead. A dragonfly. Yeah, it's alive. Well, don't kill it. But you know what? Well, you know what? I don't think it's alive. Yeah, it's kind of alive. Yeah, it's not really making it. But anyways, you know what dragonflies do? What? They rape their mates. I mean, in the animal kingdom, isn't it all rape? Oh, I never thought of that. I mean, don't they? I mean, do no, you but think they it's, conti- something. Is some of it's consensual? Yeah, I don't think a lot of it is. Really? Yeah. So I don't do think animals just is. rape? Yeah, I don't think that there's. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I think. What about those things that that mate for life? Like They're penguins rape. and They're shit. Rape for life. They rape for life? I think so. All right, that's a downward spiral. Okay, here's I'm going to read some more questions. That's how this thing will normally works. I, I never thought about that. They always, they, 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 they don't, of course. It's all, yeah, it's, it's all, all non consensual. 
secret to the longevity is of a... It? What? What about things like dolphins and stuff? Aren't they supposed know. to be nice? I don't know. They rape each other? I under, I'm under the impression that dolphins rape people. No, I know for a fact people rape dolphins. What do you mean you know for a fact? Dude, what do you mean? Come no, on, we did that. Oh, we well, we did a story. Yeah, about years orca. and years and years ago. That's Fucking the blowhole. Right. That's right. Yeah, of course, people jump into Sea World. There fuck was the a fucking talk for a second. I got to find that story. So, because there was a specific name. Oh, it was Killa. It was a Killa. Killaton. Killaton. No. Killaton. Killaton. What? Uh, no, that was the one that killed. Tillicum. Tillicum. It was Tillicum. Yeah. The story of Tillicum the Till whale. Tillicum and your blowhole. This was. This was a story that you and I talked about on the original Downward Spiral. A guy jumped into a, a sea world. Right. Or something Whatever, like some that. Some aquatic park. Naked. Yeah. Jumped into the orca tank with his, with what he wanted to do was he wanted to fuck the blowhole. Mm -hmm. And Tillicum yeah. grabbed this motherfucker and drowned his ass. Oh, so see, he I was. He, I thought he already stuck his dick in, no, and then the blowhole like that, tightened. I think that. Let's and then he got dragged. <laughs> he got dragged. Out about that. I think he tried to. He actually fucked it, and then the the blowhole tightened on his on his Johnson, and then well, they actually, dragged him to the. Tillicum also killed. Accidentally killed his trainer. But that's the big one, right? So what Tillicum, is it? Blackfish is that movie about Tillicum? Tillicum killed his trainer. That's the but that's the movie Blackfish. Which guy, is great. Uh, guy naked. Uh, kills a guy. Fucks okay, fire. nude man. F All right, here we go. Orlando sent a nude man found a dead on killer whale's back. Where the, was it? Florida. This was 1999. Yeah, so we were, dude. No, no, this no, didn't no, just really 1999. This was this is a different story, but it sounds very similar. The nude man, uh, the nude body of a man was found at SeaWorld Orlando on Tuesday, lying across the back of an 11,000-pound killer whale that moved to Florida after it was involved in the death of the trainer. The police are trying to uh, contact relatives of the 27-year-old Miami victim who was not disclosed. One expert says the 22-foot male, male whale, uh, whale named Tillicum, the largest killer whale in captivity, could have mistaken the man for a toy. Killer, whale, killer, whales, play, <laughs> killer whales play. They often, they're often seen tossing prey around for no other reason than to play. Investigators said the victim apparently hid in the park after clothes, took his clothes off. Fuck yeah. <laughs> then climbed a fence outside a gigantic breeding tank and jumped into the 55 degree water with Tillicum, whose name means friend in the Chinook language. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh boy. A park employee spotted the man, the man's body draped over the back of Tillicum about 7:30 a.m. Tuesday in one of the man's of one of the world uh, the whale's pools behind Shamu Stadium, the man swimming oh, the man's swimming suit was found in the tank. It was a pretty bizarre day, says Jim Solomons of the spokesman for Orange County Sheriff's Office. No one has come forward and said John or Bill or Mike hasn't come home from SeaWorld. It all adds up to mystique. Animal rights groups, including the Humane Society of the United States, said the death shows why whales should be held in captivity. Wait, but did he go in just to swim naked with a whale, or did he dude, go in to fuck it? Dude, the uh, the uh, Orlando Sentinel is not going to go into the good details. Because, because there was, I thought there was something about, the. it was all about fucking the blowholes. To me, that it was just kind of awesome, you know? Like, can you imagine the, the brain that you have to do that? I can't imagine. Like what? 
I'm trying to find out. Uh, I mean, there's simple things like put a mask on, but there's other things like don't fuck a killer whale in the blowhole. I mean, they're really trying to keep away from humans. The, we know, they're trying to keep the story away. Oh, from sure, the sure, game. yeah, yeah. That's but that was because... that was the story. I mean, he really he did climbed yeah. into the thing, and I don't know. It just <coughs> it seems as though that was an extreme thing to do. <laughs> uh, so the secret the secret of the longevity the secret to longevity of a 111 year old man is super weird. He his he he, he claims that. Uh, he claims that his longevity is due to eating chicken brains all his life. Fucking hell! You want that one or no? Yeah, but wh- the, you already you don't. I don't need it. It's already there. Well, I mean, I can read it to you. I mean, no, but it make it's just it's just a, some weird dude who eats. Dexter Kruger gestures. Uh, let's just see. Uh, Australia's oldest man uh. has included eating chicken brains among the secrets to his living more than 111 years. Yep, that's what I do. Right. <laughs> I- Chicken brains. I have a lot of Australian listeners. I'd like to hear your. I like to hear your Australian accent. <laughs> retired cat. It's fucking awful. <laughs> retired cattle rancher Dexter Kruger on Monday marked 124 days since he turned 111. Jesus. A day older than World War One veteran uh, Jack Lockett when he died in two, 2002. Uh, Kruger told Australian Broadcasting Company uh, Corp in an interview at his nursing home in the rural clean, Queensland state of Roma. Days before the milestone that the weekly poultry delicacy has contributed to his longevity. Chicken brains, you know. Chicken brains have a head, and in there's a brain. And they are delicious little things. It's only one little bite. In there's a brain, <laughs> and I eat it. Does he fry it? I don't, he didn't talk about how, he Does just he says how, yeah, he just eats it. God damn. I, I have That's a feeling a that, move. Like I have a feeling that that one a- addition to his diet is not uh, it. Yeah. You know, he's lucky to get Which cool. is crazy, though, because, I mean, honestly, people in Australia, I think the sun just cooks them. Or, like, they, I think they die younger because the sun just... Oh, the skin cancer is yeah. out of control down there. Yeah. I have a pile of listeners from Australia. I have a lot of pile of listeners from Australia. But, uh, it, I mean, I, I was always under the impression that that was a huge, like, skin, skin cancer. Yeah, yeah. Was, like, I mean, we're, yeah, you're told to not even really go outside at a certain times of the day. The crazy thing about the brain thing is, is... You know, but mad cow disease. Well, I mean, in general, I mean, Kuru is what. Yeah. When I my college roommate, uh, my college roommate Miles lived in uh, Papua New Guinea with guys. He said he stayed in longhouses with dudes who had eaten people. He or you uh, know, ret- if you're of a certain, if you're a headhunter, yeah. Well, they don't call them headhunters now, but if you're like what do they in call Papua New Guinea, I mean, they call them dudes. I guess. <laughs> I mean. They're, There's got to be a cool fucking slang for headhunters well, now. Well, I actually, he gave me, he brought me back uh, a, a shin bone made out of, a shin bone dagger made out of, like, their cassowary bird or something like that. Uh, you know, those... I thought those, you were going to say human. Well, he, he, I mean, we could talk about what he brought back from, but we're not going to do that. He, but, but he says that you, you meet some of these tribal guys who are of a certain age. I mean, headhunting and cannibalism was only banned in like the 70s mm. you know like they were stopped yeah, so these yeah. dudes have, you meet some of these guys he's just like you look at them and you're like this fucking dude ate somebody yeah yeah so what they were getting was kuru which was eating the brains of other people mm. and that's how mad, mad cow disease, disease yeah. happened it's 
they were these the mad cow disease was they were feeding the the infected brains of cows right, to, to other cow. cows. But what about but kuru is what you get is a sickness. Kuru is the kuru is like I think I I need Hillary to. Or tell is me. it the it, oh it's a disease like a well, sickness. It's, a, it's like a I don't know if it's a parasite or a disease. It's a disease you get yeah. from eating a kuru is the disease oh, from wow. eating the infected brains. So this motherfucker's lucky he didn't eat any of that kuru chicken. Next. Yeah, there's something. It's like it's like fucking people who eat par- prairie dogs and get the black plague. You know, it's like I, what? Well, I mean, we've talked about this. But like other raw job. fucking. But we talked about this. I mean, that's the, this, all these pandemics. It's all from yeah, this yeah. crazy shit. Yeah, it's all of it. I mean, the eating those penguins and yeah. eating. I mean, that's how this coronavirus. Pangolin. Pangolin, whatever. Yeah. Uh, or the the damn uh, you know eating the bats. Yeah. They fuck these fucking. People. I mean, AIDS started from eating the fucking monkeys. Yeah. We think, at least eating the monkeys. I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's something about this bushmeat is a fucking problem. Yeah, it's It's a fucking problem. Wet markets and shit like that. I mean, it's a fucking problem. Yeah. I mean, if it isn't a problem, the whole fucking globe. Yeah. I mean, look at it. Look at India for Christ's sakes. Yeah. They're not eating penguins. They're not eating any meat. Yeah. Oh, and that said, I have a story about. Uh, all right, I'm gonna just keep going, keep going. Uh, all right, so tell me when you want to stop. A discovery about a naked giant carved into an English hillside arouses scientists. Yeah. <laughs> that <one? laughs> That's a How yes. does it arouse <laughs> Well, okay. He had a huge dome. The police are coming. You hear that? All right, so unraveling the mystery behind a very erect giant carved into a hillside has been very hard. <laughs> Jesus. But a recent discovery is hopefully leading a scientist closer to the naked truth. A car- cartoonish ancient figure known as uh, Cerny Abba Giant huh. is sculpted into the chalk hillside above Cerny Abba in Dorset, England. Basically, it's, a, it's big. It's a, holding a club, and it's got a phenomenal phallus. Look at this picture. Look at this picture. Wow, that's fa- I mean that's old though. But that's it's got a giant. He's got a no, giant erection. It's like those the the Aboriginals who who the tribal people who yeah the, the, who wrap their dick that's in the, like the, the gourd. That's the that's the the penis gourd is the is the guys from Indonesia. The Kuru guys. Yeah, the oh. Kuru guys. It's oh, wow. the uh, the uh, I forgot the name, but it's that's those guys. And that's crazy. You, you, I think it was maybe last year or something like that. Some dude was just going down the one of the rivers or something like that and was. God, what the fuck was that? It was like some, not an adventure, but some exploratory guy was going down a river, I forget where. And he was hit by arrows. Yes. Because they were not used to seeing these yeah. fucking dudes. This dude just got lit up by fucking... As you should be. Yeah, I talk, yeah, we were talking about ways to go, like how to die and stuff like that. Dying in a dinosaur, dinosaur foot would probably be one of the worst. But I talked to my brother-in-law... Yesterday, and we were just, you know, we were talking about ways to kind of go out. Like, yeah. you know, my grandmother just died. She was about to turn 101. And she died in her sleep. One of those things. You're just just like, as well. Fucking great. Can That's the way to go. 100 years old, dying in her sleep. Been, she shouldn't have had a few more chicken She should have had more, a few more chicken brains. But the, uh, but then my brother-in-law was like, I always want to go out with a bunch of fucking, you know, arrows. Like, oh, jungle arrows. Just like, it. get loaded with jungle arrows. Just like, you know, just getting hit left and right. Sleep. You I know, but I, I, he does kind of have a point. No, ah! no, but no, you know, what I'm he's got uh, many points. No, but I, you know what I'm saying? It's like he's he's kind of like Blaze of Glory kind of thing. Uh, I don't want glory. I don't need any glory. That's kind of cool, though. I don't know. I, I'm against it. 
So back to giant penis. Um, for centuries, people have speculated about the age, meaning the giant hewn uh, of the giant hewn and the hillside. Many theories have surrounded the giant's identity and origins, including ancient symbol of spirituality, likeness of the Greek Roman hero Hercules, mockery of Oliver Cromwell and the fertility aid. Um, there is even theory that the figure was carved around the body of an actual giant who was slain in the local townspeople. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds about uh, right. Yeah, the real story's got a big dick. Yeah, he's fucking huge, huge dick. dick. It's got to be like huge four dick. stories. People are walking around it. Yeah, people are walking around like a garden. That's amazing. The balls. But what is the? Is it limestone? What is? Uh, someone's got to. Someone's got to shear that grass or like the balls. The last Shorn. week, the National Trust finally revealed that the giant was probably first created in the late Saxon period. Hmm. I like uh, the way you said Saxon. Every archaeologist I know had it wrong. It's like Christopher Walken saying Saxon. No one's talking about the <coughs> penis. Um, Look at this thing. This dude is sitting on the balls. Yeah. He's standing right on but the that's bottom what, of the that's balls. That's what you do. So uh, <laughs> I did get a... I did get a, uh, our only DM. Yeah. Uh, I have a few more penis talks. We can go in overtime a little bit. Um, from Craig Lockwood. Craig Lockwood had a DM? He did have a DM. Go ahead. Craig Lockwood of the Makery Network, who's also editing this video, so... But, audio. you know, the thing is, I kept thinking about it. He said, what's the most embarrassing thing Jeff has done that you know? Shit the bed, passed out at a party, that kind of thing. I've never done that. Yeah, I know, and I can't... For the life of me, I can't think of it. it, it the only thing I can think of is when the bat shit in your mouth. Dude. And it's not an embarrassing the thing. The bat didn't shit in my mouth. Yeah, the did it piss in my it. head? Oh. No, I told the story. Why out. did I thought I thought you had no bat pee bat in your didn't mouth? No, pee in my mouth. There's no pee. Cuz all in I could picture of is you with your mouth open sleeping no, and a no, bat just no. fucking No, I told this story, there. the rabies story. Yeah. No, 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 no. There was no mouth open. The, I told the story before. All it was was the embarrassing part is I had to get rabies shots. Yeah, dude. But the, but what happened was the oh, cat was jumping on the fucking bed. Because a bat was flying in the room, right. and I and I woke up, I saw the bat flying in the room, and it hit me in the head, and then I got it out, and then my wife was up for the rest of the night thinking we had rabies and we had to go get rabies shots. But what was crazy about that story was we th I thought she was being overprotective, and when we went to the hospital to get the rabies shots, we was an extraordinary amount of rabies shots. The nurse told us the last person who came in with infected with rabies. Got it because a bat flew onto the water by the bed. Like, you have a little yeah, glass yeah, of water glass by of the water. bed. Yeah. The fucking bat sat on the, perched himself on top of the glass, took a sip of water from the glass, fucked away off. Yeah. The guy drinks the water, gets rabies. Damn. Now that That's is a fucking moves. bad way yeah. to get, and how would Holy you even shit. know? Yeah, how yeah. would you even know if you didn't see the bat? Yeah, yeah. It's like the fucking dude in the fucking thing. Wow. If you want me to tell a fun, uh, embarrassing something, thing, But you know I, what? The, here's the other one. The, oh, the, so this, there was no shitting or pissing in my mouth. Thank you very much. So Nico. The, okay. I know, but I just pictured you. Other and the other one was, it's not an embarrassing story. It's kind of a heroic story. And I, it's, it's, it was the Halloween party that you, me, and Greg and Shara walked up to, to oh, Sonny's. Yeah. And you were dressed as a giant robot. Well, it was... But wait, shut up. It was snowing out, and there was a fucking <laughs> foot of snow on Halloween. Yeah. So all the trees were kind of 
crushing, being crushed by the, there was no power, no, right? No power. And it wasn't the image of you walking up the yeah. hill to Sonny's yeah. to go to the party. Yeah. It was at the end of the night when I was pretty blitzed. Shara was passed fucking out. wasted, passed yeah. out. And there you were carrying her down the hill yeah. in the snow. Yeah. In a robot outfit. Well, I, d- I ditched the robot outfit. But I thought you had the arms and stuff like that. Stuff. I had some of it, but I, d- I remember. So I basically, I took a. Uh, I just took a. Uh, maybe I'll use that in the in the in the promo of this of this uh, this episode. But I took a refrigerator box and I put like headlights on it. It was actually a pretty cool costume. But I. I, I but, do and everybody it. wanted to beat you up. That was the weirdest thing. That was weird. The box. Right? The the box. The the costume that I had was a giant box, and then I made a little flap so I could reach my arm out. To get food, and then I had these dangling tubes as arms. It was like a, it was like the robot from from um, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But it's funny too because my kid called you Robot Jeff for like three years. Yeah, yeah. It was a good costume, and, and then <laughs> but when we got to the party, for some reason people refused to acknowledge my humanity. Right. And they just started beating me up, and Ross was checking me every time, pushing me. Yeah, every, yeah. It was like... Everyone wanted to punch was, you. All my, all these people that were my friends yeah. forgot that I was in there but and they just started they, jostling. Why would they do that? That's so I weird. Was, no, they, they didn't see the humanity inside the robot yeah. and they just fucked with me. That's, it was weird. But isn't that the story of, of humankind? Any, yeah, period. <laughs> obviously. It sounds obviously. like Lost in Space. Yeah. Obviously. I'm not thinking... You know what? Steve... Steve Steve House, who listens to Moonshine Metalwork, also asked the same question. What's an embarrassing Jeff story? I mean, I don't really get drunk. I never really... I got drunk in college, but I don't really have any wasted yeah, stories. Yeah, no, but the, to me... I mean, I, I pissed in my bed after the a mean, party in 2007. Well, that's... Congratulations. On my wife. Ew. Yep, in the morning. Ew. I it was the bathroom. So anyways, uh, <laughs> that's pretty embarrassing, and I just that's said it. That's super embarrassing. But it was one of those things that, you know... I couldn't think. It was a heroic image of you walking down the yeah. snow covered. It was it was bright out yeah. at night because yeah, of the snow. snow. Yeah, and Greg, who was I forget what Greg was, one of the guys from Aladdin or something like that, and he was what was his name from Aladdin? Remember that Jafar? The, Jafar, yeah, he was Jafar. Yeah. And watching Jafar and this big robot carry my wife down the mountain. That to me was like that was that was like epic. See, Craig, so far the stories aren't very embarrassing. Yeah, no, sorry. I don't, I don't have. I'm. I, I can't think of any. Uh, all right, so let's get back to some of the stories. Yeah. There's an Australian hoarder who killed a man who broke into his house, then lived with his corpse for 15 years. Wow. What? You want that wow. one? Yeah, that's that's like chainsaw massacre shit. Yeah. Okay. The body of Shane Snellman was discovered mm. completely mummified Ooh. with a gunshot wound to the neck. It. Uh, He'd Where been, is this? He'd been, uh, Australia. He'd right. been surrounded by 70 bottles of air freshener to mask the smell. Fuck, yeah. It's like Fincher. Bruce uh, Andrew Roberts was a wealthy recluse in Greenwich, the Greenwich neighborhood of Sydney, Australia. His property was known as the Creepy House in the Corner. He was a <laughs> chronic hoarder, and the house was riddled with boxes, broken equipment, newspapers, and trash when he died at the age of 60 in 2017. Jeez. What neighbors didn't know was that his house contained the mummified corpse of a man he had murdered in 2001, 2002, according to a recent inquest by the coroner's court in New South Wales. The victim was the 39-year-old Shane Stellman, uh, 
placed into a, a Catholic convent as a child. He was raised across several boys' homes. Snellman delved into serious crime at the age of 15 when he allegedly killed a homeless man. He was acquitted, but he struggled with drug use and was in and out of jail. Estranged from his family, Snellman had most recently been released from jail in, in 2002 after a long stint for drug supply. Um, that October, he broke into Robert's house and oh, was shot shit. dead. The guy Roberts covered, covered his body with a rug, moved into a spare bedroom where it, where it stayed for the next 15 years. Holy fuck. Fuck. But Snellman wasn't the only one who would decay in the home. In July 21st, uh, 2017, neighbors called the police to perform a welfare check on Roberts after reporting seeing a mail pile up in front of his home. Investigators discovered him dead atop a live heater, decomposing and badly burnt. He was an, ex- oh. he was an extreme hoarder. I'd never seen anything like it, uh, Constable Shane Spencer said of Roberts. As we walked in the front door of the address... There was immediately items stacked from floor to ceiling. It was evident he never threw anything out at all. Finding Snellman would take another year. <laughs> it was only in May 29, uh, 29 2018, that the cleaners cleared, uh, clearing the debris-riddled home for sale discovered his body. They found him with the back against a couch, leaning slightly to the left with a gunshot wound to his neck. He was still wearing the clothes. Oh, um, from 2002, and the last time anyone had seen him alive, a postmortem at the Sydney Forensic Medical Department took DNA samples, and his body was completely mummified. Wow. The assistant counsel testified that Roberts had placed more than 70 bottles of air fresh around the body in a conscious effort to mask the smell of Stellman's decom- decomposition. Holy crap. Police had to rely on the visible tattoos and remaining fingerprints to identify him. God, I mean, that, that takes just dedication, doesn't Police it? Police also discovered 19 illegal firearms and an exorbitant pile of ammunition in his home. Uh, through the inquest, couldn't officially conclude which gun had been was used on Snellman. This is downtown Sydney? An autopsy yielded 15 metallic fragments in his chest and stomach, uh, while a subsequent toxicology report yielded traces of meta- methamphetamines, uh, blah, 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 and amphetamines. The inquest described two deceased Australians... In a stranger, in, in as stranger in life, who had suffered a fatal chance encounter. Jeez, but the, I, I, it's, what's amazing is the air fresheners. That to me. Wow, well, I like, mean, he was trying to prevent himself from having to smell the dude. I would imagine. Fucking call the cops. He obviously didn't want to do that. <laughs> you know, maybe it's maybe time. Maybe I mean, he didn't want to throw out the body because he kept everything. Do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, no, he was a hoarder. He I mean, hoarded the body that he murdered. That's a horrendous, a horrendous thing. Horrendous thing. That's that's. I mean, it's it's amazing though. Like what goes through your head when you murder somebody, and then you're like, you know what? I could get in trouble for this. Yeah, I'm just gonna. But if he was I'm a burglar, keep it here. If it, yeah, that's the thing. Well, but I mean, it, it's a. He, he, the story also said that his cousin referred to him as a loner. Yeah, put it mildly. Yeah, put it mildly. Jesus, that's like the extreme. That makes the Unabomber seem like he's at Disney. Wow. I don't... I mean... Yeah, fucking bad. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, <laughs> this is bad. So I'm going to read a few more off. Say if you like it or not. Uh, Prince Harry's new job title no, means penis that. in Japanese. Nope. Okay. Alcohol made from radioactive Chernobyl apples seized by Ukraine government. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. 
makers of Atomic oh says that God. the Ukrainian Secret Service took 1,500 bottles in violation of the law. In 2019, a group of scientists and distillers decided to create a new type of booze, Atomic, Jesus. with a K. An artisanal alcoholic spirit made artisanal, from the artisanal yeah. artisanal alcoholic spirit made from the ingredients grown in Chernobyl nuclear power plants wow. still radioactive exclu exclusion zone. The booze itself was not radioactive after distilling process. That's now the first cool. now the first batch of Atomic is finally complete, and all fifteen hundred bottles of it have been seized by Ukrainian Secret Service agents for unknown reasons. According to a statement from Atomic's manufacturer, the this is the name of the uh, uh, manufacturer, the Chern the Chernobyl Spirit Company. That's a good name. Wow, for that's good. It seems that the, um, they're accusing us of using forged Ukrainian excise stamps, but this doesn't make any sense since the bottles are for are for the UK market and clearly labeled with a valid UK excise stamp. Founder of the company. Um, a lawyer representing the company added that the seizure was a clear violation of Ukrainian law. I mean, if Atomic you, does make its way into the shelves, it'll be the first consumer product from the Chernobyl area. Would you drink it? Oh, well, you know that some people will. Yeah. I mean, do you think, I mean, if it's headed for the UK, you think people aren't going to fucking drink it? Oh, yeah. It's, oh, people are going to fucking buy it. It's a market. Dude, yeah. don't you, I, I mean, people are going to go bananas. Yeah. People are going to go, um,. People are going to go bananas for it. Soon after the nuclear disaster, officials de deemed the Chernobyl exclusion zone, the thousand square mile area surrounding the damaged power plant, uninhabitable, uninhabitable by humans for 24,000 years. <laughs> However, plants and animals yeah. are now thriving in the region, and so is tourism. Chernobyl seems upwards of 60,000 visitors a year and visits. Visits spiking after the May 2019 debut of the HBO's Chernobyl miniseries. Atomic is made from apples grown in the Ukraine's something-something district, which sits on the edge of the exclusion zone and was heavily polluted by fallout from the meltdown. This region still has a population of 10,000 people still live Jeez. there, according to Ukraine's uh, state statistics service, and must abide by stringent uh, agricultural restrictions. You know, I, I think I would rather... I, would you pick Disney World or Chernobyl? What are my... What are my uh, what, but I, well, I mean... It, For vacation. At Chernobyl, you have no guarantees that you won't get cancer. Yeah, that's kind of... I mean, it's... I mean... I would rather go to Disney Chernobyl. Disney World. Disney World, you can't guarantee you're not going to get cancer. Yeah, exactly. You know? Get some pineapple whip. I don't know. I, it's... I... I <laughs> It's fucking crazy, but because you're like, oh, I went to Disneyland. Yeah, you and eight billion other people. Or like, yeah, I went to Chernobyl. We're like, what? When? So several years ago, the atomic team tested rye crops from the exclusion zone for radiation and found that the grains were indeed contaminated. However, Smith says all trace of radiation were removed during the distillation process. How's that possible? Mm hmm. Fucking alcohol. I don't know. Making yeah, atomic just... no more dangerous than other commercially spirits. Yeah, it's all probably about parts per million. Huh. I'd have it. I think I would... I don't know if I'd have it. I'd try it. it. At 20, if I was 20 years old, I'd be like, fucking bring it here. I would like a glass. But 47-year-old, who now is like worried about cancer in general, hmm. I don't need to speed the process up. Yeah, true. 
I'd still drink it, I think. Amy Schumer changes her son's name after reason, realizing how bad it sounded. No. Did you hear about this? Did you know that he... Do you know, do you know this story? This mm-hmm. story is fucking hilarious. This is crazy. Do you know Amy Schumer? Have you met yeah, her? Yeah, yeah. You know her? I don't know her. Have you met her? Friends of friends. Naming a child is a big responsibility. After all, you're choosing what the newest member of your family is going to be called forever. If you get that wrong, there's only so much you can do to change it, unless you change it up quickly. That's exactly what happened to Amy Schumer when she decided to do last year. Along with her husband, Chris Fisher, Chris Fisher, Mm -hmm. she took the decision to change her name of their baby boy once they realized what it, it started as a genuine emotional tribute to a lost friend. In fact, in actually fact, a pretty hilarious mistake because the baby's name sounded exactly like genital, genital Fisher. Schumer and Fisher announced the birth of their baby boy back in May of last year. They called their little bundle of joy Gene Attell Fisher, with the middle name serving uh, a tribute to their comic friend Dave Attell. You know who Dave Attell mm-hmm. is? He's yeah, a yeah, comedian. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What an honor, huh? Gene Attell, Gene Attell. Fisher. Yeah. Anyway, the honor was short-lived. The 39-year-old comedian soon realized the combination of her son's first name and middle name sounded like a medical term for people's <laughs> nether region. Yeah. It sounded like... Genital, yeah. Genital Fisher. Genital Fisher. Speaking on their, her podcast, Three Girls, One Keith, Schumer revealed that she and Chris had decided to change Gene's middle name. She explained, Do you guys know that, our, our, that Gene, our baby, is officially his name's changed? It's now Gene David Fisher. It was Gina Tellfisher, but we realized that by accident we named our son Genital Fisher. <laughs> How the fuck you can do that is unbelievable. I don't know. I heard a cool boy's name. Go ahead. Mercury. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's a crazy name. Um, <clears throat> I think we should wrap it up. All right. I'm losing one last, steam. One last, one oh, last story. This is the last story. Um... Man has fish removed from his butt. Don't you say that every time we do this? This is it. An unidentified <laughs> man. This is the last one. How big is last it? Last story. Well, I'm going to tell you the story. A lot of spines? <laughs> we, did a, we did a fish. We did this. The, no, we didn't. This is a different... <coughs> some, but it's uh, like, it happens every week, doesn't it? No. A ma- maybe. A man has a removed a, a fish from his butt. An unidentified man has had to have a South American lungfish surgically Jesus. removed after he inserted it up his anus. Huh. According to reports, the man sought medical help at hospital university to, uh, the University Hospital in Brazil after the fish wriggled into his intestines. Uh, While he recovered from the operation, the fish had to be euthanized despite, despite still being alive when removed by doctors. The man had allegedly taken uh, taken legal action and lodged a formal complaint through his solicitors after footage of the operation emerged online. <laughs> what? That's so great. he's suing the fucking doctors yeah, yeah. because they took pictures and they put it up online. Of course. Yeah, why would you? Look at this guy put a fucking lungfish up his ass. Live. Live. It's it went up into his intestines. Jesus, Jeff. That's insane. People are fucking crazy. Why? 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 Why can't they just do things normal? I don't know. Why do they have to... Dude, we're just... We're fucked. We're so fucked. I, I think I apologize to my son like every other day about leaving him dead planet. Well, Sorry, with kid. that said... Yeah. Well, with but... that said... <laughs> we what? got a new fuck yous, though. 
Oh, this just is, a quick oh, okay, fuck okay. You. so this is a, so we have at the end of the downward spiral we always do a go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't forgot to do it, but I'll but I'll come up with one. So you, gotta, you have to. Yeah, I don't so know. Go ahead. Oh, but then we don't have anyone. To, I mean, I think people who don't get their fucking vaccine. I think that's fuck you. Why would you get your fucking vaccine? You know what the crazy thing about the vaccine is? We were talking to our friend Matt, who works for Pfizer, and he said. Which is crazy, you know. People, the theory behind people, the 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 the, re, the weird reasons why people don't get the vaccine. You know what? Be honest with you, fuck them. If you want to do, I'm not telling people how to live their lives. It's just, it's enough already. But he said that the what the conspiracies that that they're trying to kill us or they're trying to track us. Pfizer offered the vaccine to all their employees early. Yeah. Like early. Yeah. So if you and your family wanted to get vaccinated on the early side, they offered it free to their employees. Right. So if there was something malicious from Pfizer, right. why would they want to fucking poison their own people? Right. It's, and he even said, he says, this is crazy. The, the conspiracies that they're trying to track. He said, there is no, we cannot put tracking beacons yeah, in, yeah. in serums. There's yeah. no, you can't do it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. He's like that technology is does not exist. He's like, and he gets to the point where he's just like, I don't even, I don't even fucking get. If these people want to come up with these facocative stories, yeah. it's like he says. He says to me, he says, I've never been more proud to work for a pharmaceutical con- yeah. com- company than. He's like, I hated it. It was all dick pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, it was all dick pills forever. Right, it was just yeah. like, you know, they came up with, you know, Viagra was supposed to be a heart medication, and all right. of a sudden the byproduct was you get your dick hard. Yeah. And he's just like, you don't feel good about yourself. Right, right. You know, yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden we finally do something for the world. And now everyone's just like, oh, we're trying to poison us. Yeah. No, I mean. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, I don't know. I, New York's getting back. From what, I, from what I understand, there's like a 1% infection rate in New York yeah. right now, which is amazing. It's amazing. It's but amazing. It's also, but it's also one of those things. You're just like, you know, I mean, some people are saying it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to take it because I think it was rushed. And it was like, well, it wasn't rushed because it had been part of SARS-CoV-1. I'll tell you what. Five years ago. I've heard that story too. We have, we, we know people have said that story. And when I asked my wife, who is a, has a master's degree in epidemiology, he says the big, she said the biggest misconception is that this came out of nowhere. Yeah. It had the been SARS formula. viruses, yeah. all these, you know, all these viruses, you have to, it's almost, she said, she said it's more like a wardrobe. Yeah. And you're ta- you're mixing mat you're right. mixing and matching different outfits to create yeah. the wardrobe. That's right. how it was created. Right. They had Didn't, they, they had MERS and they had SARS one, the bird flu and all that stuff. They had them. They had to figure out and they right. had them. You know, they had to figure out the right combination right. of these existing SARS viruses. Right. The fast tracking, which I heard, was you have what A through E to in your drug uh, testing thing. You have step A through E. And usually it goes in order. But in order to fast track it, they did all of them. Right. I mean, together. And that's what happens. You know, it's like, I, I, if you can read what the fuck is in it. You right. know, you can actually scientifically see what's in the shot. People, people, people want to be difficult. They're I just, always the people problem is it just different. makes it difficult for everybody else. Well, like, on this podcast, all this bullshit, I've never given people, I've never proselytize no, and stuff like that it's like i can't tell you what to live your life if you want to be a douchebag be a douchebag it's fine I, c- congratulations i'm with you I'm, go ahead just don't fucking come to my shop 
Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, this is this is the first time I've really been spending time next to someone other than my wife and kid. Yeah. It's, you both have been fascinated. We've spent time together a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's just like, yeah. it's enough already. I, I, I want to get back to work. I want to get back to life. Yeah, yeah. You know? I want to go to the fucking, all these things I want to do next year. Yeah. You know, it's enough already. Yeah. The, there are other states right next to us that the, the, uh, my, Vermont you can't get a, you can't get the vaccine if you're if you're at, at a 45 yeah. you can't get the vaccine yet we're down to past under 12 yeah. here in New York it's like come on man if people want to get the vaccine yeah, give them the I, vaccine and fucking I know it's fucking crazy it's enough already it's crazy so anyways that was my fuck you like okay. just just fuck off just fucking just get just, it who's my fuck you too I'm trying to think about my fuck you I don't have it you know, I'll be honest with you. You can always tell Mitch McConnell to fuck off. What a ghoul that little... That fucking... <laughs> turtle head. What a goddamn... He's like, you know, that's... I swear to God. But you know what a turtle head is? It's when shit starts coming out of your butthole and then goes back up it. That's what That's Mitch what I think McConnell. of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is such a... He's like a turd you know, that won't come out of your... All these politicians... All these politicians are such scum. It's just enough already. Yeah. It's enough already with all of them. I've had it with all of them. They're cocktails. It's just... Shove a piece of ginger <laughs> up their ass and be done with it. That's the end uh, of the Bernard Spire. All right, guys, listen. Uh, I got. This has been amazing. This is the first episode of the new year for us, the podcast year. I'm, it was I'm, a little long. That's okay. okay. It was great to have you. Yeah, it was great. No, we're gonna have you. We're gonna but people you. will listen to this shit. Though? Oh, dude, they love it when oh, okay. Nico Tavernisi comes on. Well, yeah, all the time. I so, just, guys, go follow Nico. You already follow him, Nico Tavernisi on Instagram. See what he's up to. He's got some new movies. Movie movies they've been working on. Hopefully, GI Joe comes out in July. July twenty third. July twenty third. Go to the movies. Go get yourself a. Go get yourself some a snake eyes. Vaccine and go to the movies. Go get your vaccine and go to the movies. <laughs> and then um, we got next week. We have Jordan Lamote coming in. Incredible bladesmith. We have Mark Peacock coming in. Incredible woodworker for the UK. Nick Rossi is coming in to talk about. All sorts of stuff, plus his new video, that his new video series is going to come in. We are also going to have Ashley Childs of Elk and Hammer is going to come in. And we're going to have a blockbuster show with Ben Snoor and owner Kaglar at the same time. It's going to be madness, and we're all going to be doing it here on the, uh, the Full Blast podcast. He did, You know what? You did that all. You just did that all off the top of your head. He's yes. not looking at fucking notes or no. anything. No, that was all like yeah. I wouldn't have remembered those names. Yeah, That's no, I I, 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 I'm doing too much. I'm doing too much. So, guys, no, go, it was great. Jesus, we're gonna have you in more often. I want to have you in more <laughs> often. I love a downward spiral. I'm glad you're my friend. Yeah, we've been doing this from the beginning, and, and this was a lot of I fun. I love you, Jeff. Fine, I'm with you. How come you can't say I love you? I don't talk. I don't like. I don't. I, I, Come on, man. Don't make it weird. I'm staring at it. I know. Dude. Don't make it weird, man. Come on. Don't make it weird. Stop it with the I love you. Go smoke a cigarette and fucking way off. Jesus Christ. All right, guys. We're going to see you next week with Jordan Lamote. Woo! The Full Blast Podcast is proudly sponsored by Axe Wax, an all-natural, food-safe wax for coating your handles. It can be used on your axes, your knives, or even on your boots with the full confidence that Axe Wax is safe and durable. Furthermore, if you use the promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get a special 10% discount on your order. So go to axewax.us and get yourself some of the most luxurious wax for waxing your axe. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you. 
at www.makery.network.